Well, the the the, the uh, we didn't spend it all in a conversation that happened before we started recording, which um, happens sometimes. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. So, all right, this is this is going to be a, kind of a not, it's not an unusual podcast because it's just two of us. Sure. Um, Michael and Keegan, they're away uh, celebrating Bar- Brandon's birthday. They're out at Bear Lake or something, and. Um, so I know you by your Instagram handle, Gypsy yeah. Jamie, which describes kind of the lifestyle that you live, which um, the van that pulled up is remarkable. I, I can't remember her name. Bertha. Bertha. Yeah. It's a very common name for vans, by the way. But this one has a whole nother story. But yeah, Bertha. Yeah. And Bertha, let's see. Has recently had a new transmission dropped in? Yeah, yeah, going on number two. How many thousand miles does that rig have on it? Uh, 174, like, not many. Oh. Yeah, yeah, it's a 96. So why does the transmission keep dropping? Uh, I installed it. Too much it. weight? Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah. yeah. So, yeah. And I'm not a transmission guy, by the way. I, I was going to say being <laughs> um, a psychiatric nurse Correct. probably doesn't uh, that's probably not included in the curriculum, right. the transmission I've, sort I've of done, deal. I've done quite a bit of wrenching. Um, it's a kind of a long story, but a you know uh, a good one. Um, but the whole transmission debacle happens when you least expect it in a town that you least expect to be in, and then therefore all the transmission shops are full in for months. So oh. you have to basically go. Well, I'm stuck in this town, and uh, just. You know, FYI, you folks out there like, yeah, I'll get a van and drive cross country. Just if your transmission goes out and you're in the middle of nowhere and all the transmission shops are full, you're kind of stuck. So uh, I, I, ordered <laughs> a tra- I ordered a transmission and, okay. and a good friend of mine was like, yeah, we, we can do it. We'll put it in. And uh, they sh- it showed up on a, uh, on a, on a flatbed truck. And, like to a mailbox station or something? I mean, like, ba- basically it- to my friend's address. Okay. And uh, yeah, and, and we started wrenching. Lifted it? And yeah. Like, yeah. Tr- wow. Yeah. So happily, in one sense, right. I'm guessing, um, it's a Dodge, right? It is. Oh yeah. So it's a, so it's Mopar. Is that Mopar? Is that? There are Mopar parts. Yeah. In, anyway, so yeah. you could. It, it's not something exotic. It's not right. like right. That's why I bought it. Yeah. I was the, reading recently. I've been kind of searching for a different vehicle. And uh, first started, I was like, okay, a van will be the thing. Right. You know, blah blah blah. And then every, you know, I have good friends who have Sprinters or the Freightliner equivalent right. or whatever, and I'm just like, no, I. I I can't, and a, a very good good friend, he had one, and it was his daily driver, and he was just like, it lasted like six months, <laughs> and then just goes, nope, this is not, yeah, not a thing, and one of the things I I had read about the Sprinters was when I was looking at um, you know those those big boxy sort of Nissan looking vans mm-hmm. that are rear wheel drive only, mm-hmm. you can do a four wheel drive conversion on them, mm-hmm. and there was a couple of them um, available, and one of the um, guys who was uh, was selling one and kind of said, Hey, we used to have this sprinter and the sprinter fucking let us down multiple times. Yeah. 
in really bad places. Sure. This Nissan, you know, after the four-wheel drive conversion, you know, five years, 130,000 miles on it, right. never a breakdown, right. never nothing, at least, you know, according to his, sure. and he's trying to sell it too. So obviously, <laughs> you know, there's, there may be a, he may have yeah. a vested interest in talking it up, but, um, but it just seems like, okay, if you're going to go that route, there are some um, potentially more reliable options yeah, right right that are just as comfortable right and that's why i went with the old school 96 dodge you know it's got a 5.9 liter engine in it it's uh the workhorse of that whole fleet mm -hmm. and um you know i've been doing this for a long time been living in in and out of vans uh since probably 92 and uh, i've had some Damn. long some stints you know like we were talking about earlier yeah. i was married for a while and Lived in a you know, brick and mortar home, and, uh, something without wheels. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, to, to quote Todd Skinner, I uh, I lost my soul when I bought a lawnmower, um, and I, I did that for a little while. Bringing it back, you remember that dude? Oh yeah, yeah, very well yeah. actually. Yeah, I, yeah. Anyway, so I always tell my friends that have lawnmowers that story. Yep. And uh, <laughs> so I've I've owned lawnmowers and uh, homes and. Uh, but yeah, uh, back to the van, the reliability of an older van seems to be um, pretty clutch. Yeah. No pun intended. I mean, especially if you're um, going to out-of-the-way places, like right. non-stand. Like, like if you, you know, okay, hey, I'm going to go, I'm going to take my Sprinter van down to Moab. And there's yeah. just, it's like a fucking Sprinter infestation it down is. there. And so it you is. can, and, and, and that to me, it's not like, that, that's more of a, convenience thing you know whatever but it feels like based on sort of following your journey sure. via the uh, the socials shall we say sure like you'll you go to some you know go to places that you know where there's not a sprinter infestation like there's that you know where you might be out of the way yeah i mean saying like hey i'm out here in Tooele and i'm you know, went for a hike and packing my wingsuit right now. You know, I'm just like, this is, so there's a really cool fat bike on the back. Right. I know there's base rigs right in there. Yeah, there's a few. And, and there's, and, and, and now I know there, there's me, a wingsuit. This, no. this, this might be getting hot, so. You, no, you should, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a, don't, don't let that happen. That's just a soda, y'all. <laughs> yeah. They know listening. Whoever listens to this podcast with any regularity knows you're lying. <laughs> yeah, it is a soda. And so, um, looks like there was um, some kind of shortboard on top. Yeah, there's a shortboard and a paddleboard up there, and some tele skis. So, I mean, I could go through the list. There's a so it's like year round. Yeah, you're covered with um activity. Right, and that's the thing is that there's so much to do. You know, there's so much to do out there in the world. And there's so many avenues to express your art. So for me, um, a lot of it has to do with uh, with different ways of expressing my appreciation for life and, and ultimately, I think, my appreciation for a greater sense of of what this life means for me, but really just to get in touch with... Uh, the wind, let's say, or the tide, let's say, or the weather in an intense way is to live in it 24-7 and then do sports that demand acute attention 
of the details and the nuances of that canyon or, you know, that lake or how that lake wind brings canyon winds and all that really connects me to something huge and deeper. It's kind of, you know, I guess it's kind of a religious experience. Maybe that religion's the wrong word. Let's just say uh, my own yeah, deal. We can have a, we can just say religion with a small R yeah, and have yeah. it encompass just about. Right. A lot of people say sacred and it gets a little too woo woo, you know? Sometimes sacred's good, but um, for me, it just seems to be um, I have a lot of reverence for the earth and, yeah. uh, and my journey, whatever that is. And I appreciate it every day. How, um, I mean, one thing that you, you, you said there about like, okay, take, taking part in these activities, which, you know, demand a sort of a high level of participation, let's say, and, and an acute focus, the fact that there is risk involved in many of these things, um, to sharpen not only, you know, sensitivity, but also, uh, render other things absolutely trivial sure and i think you're right to, to ex in the sense of like okay I'm, I, to experience the majesty and power of nature full time right diving in like that right is is to become part of it whereas right. i think it's more difficult if like oh i do that i i plug in on the weekend right or in a in a and granted, that's you know, the, um, it's not a judgment to say in a, in a in a touristic kind of way. Sure, is the weekend sort of visit, and um, and that's sometimes all that is available. Right. I like the immersion aspect. Yeah, I think that's why doing. I have such the longevity that I have had is okay. that I've found a lot of um, personal um, growth with it. Um, that it being. Um, you know, the more I do it, the more I get. So it, it's become this thing that I was like, oh, I'll just, you know how it goes, you know. People say, oh, I want to do what you do, you know. I'm like, well, you know, you got to first, you know, lose your wife, lose your house, lose your job, then lose your mind, and then start to rebuild. And when you say lose your mind, what I hear there is lose your connection to these things, the things that are preventing you from doing that right now. And it's not just not, it's not necessarily a wife or a husband or right. a home or a, right. or, a, or a whatever. It's, there's a lot of facets to it. Yes. You know, and, but to do it full time and actually, I think get a lot of, um, gratitude from it and, um, traction with, own, with your own growth is, is really, it's gotta be your own journey. And I think, um, you know, I've seen couples do it well. I've seen, um, other people in other capacities do it well, but everybody's got their own unique uh, journey. So mine's basically, and when I, you know, when I reference lose your mind, it's like, I think there's a bad connotation you could take or a good, but um, really there's, there's another thing I really like to, to think about is like, there's no enemies and there's no friends. There's only teachers. And, you know, like for me, everybody I meet everywhere I go, that's why I love to travel is to meet all these people. And every single person has something to teach me. And, once that starts happening, I, my goal every day is a little bit more ego death, you know? Okay. And that seems kind of like a big, huge statement, but I think what else is there for me, honestly, is if I can continually have 
um, less about myself and more about something bigger than then I'm happier and you got to be happy you got one life man you gotta try you gotta just wake up and give it your all every day I'm not there <laughs> I mean I give it my like the, I haven't this conversation I have with Selena a lot is um just like I want you to be happy and I'm like I think I'd like that too <laughs> Hey, I'm not saying I'm totally like Santa Claus over here, right? Like the waters. A lot of the people that are in the sports I'm at, I I am in um, have kind of a dark edge to them. Oh and, yeah. Um, Do you think uh, that 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 edge is sort of what drew them or made those sports more? You know, I'm just going to say the higher risk sports more attractive, or do you think that darkness? comes from participating in it long enough and pretty much losing your entire, you know, um, address book of friends. Right. I think maybe a little bit of both, but I think honestly it's, uh, it's the former. I think it's, uh, okay. most, not all, I've met a lot of people that do really extreme things, um, maybe come from like a super happy family and they have a good job and, they got they make a hundred thousand dollars a year and they may be a doctor or a lawyer and they seem pretty content. That's a very to me it's, it seems to be the more common participant um, usually has some sort of uh, some sort of uh, hmm. I mean there is a lot of things that are said um, in a lot of the sports and one of them um, people say that uh, base jumping base jumping saves their, their lives. Sure, um, and it's amazing. You'll be hiking up an exit, or you'll be doing something. It's not necessarily that particular sport, but um, I think that particular sport, in general, um, attracts people that are um, sometimes struggling with mental health issues, sure. and find a lot of um, joy in um, deciding to live every day. I think there is the. The sensation of having your hand on the off switch, yeah, exactly. I think is incredibly empowering. It is, and people keep going. You yeah, know, I'm talking about lots of people I've met that gave up, and then they've got the pilot shoot in their hand now. And every single time they jump off a bridge or a cliff, they choose to live, and it gives them more life. And it's it's one of the most ironic and beautiful things that I've ever seen. And I think you know, let's just say metaphorically, that having the pilot shoot in your hand um, translates. It's a universal sort of Absolutely. teacher in a way that 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 I can take that look for that same condition in other aspects of life. Absolutely, no doubt. And I mean, for me, climbing, especially when I was soloing a lot, and they were like, "Oh, he's suicidal," and I'm like, "Well, I mean, the joke always was like, keep failing." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but ultimately, I kept what I kept doing was fighting I kept kept going like okay hand on the off switch right okay and, and then confronted in a situation the organism doesn't you know it really doesn't want to die no it does not no and when you're and, really faced with that fear um, and 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 it becomes fear but when you're really faced with it I think the, the things that you've done um, 
you know, you you come back like like all all of your writings. You come back, you know, you come back down to to the town, and you just have a different swagger. You got a different eyes. You got a different way, and a different appreciation of of living and breathing, and and what you know. I mean, you come back changed. You yeah. know, for any time you look across that edge, over the edge, you know, whatever yeah. you perceive yourself to be seeing beyond, um, you know, it, it can't help but change you in right. some way. Do you f- feel like you'll go, I'm, I'm guessing, um, you'll go to the edge for a period but it's not constant because it can't be. There's a cyclical nature of this, the, the necessity of this confrontation, so with, not only with self, but with mortality. Right. And how do you, I mean, it seems just based on the, now the hour that we've been talking, <laughs> um, that you're just sensitized and going by feel between those That's a good visits. Point. That's a good point. Um, yeah, I I tend to for the for the people that don't really understand or know me very well, they you know fo- most folks kind of say, well, you know, he's here and now he's gone, and no, you know, kind of maybe a little bit flighty. But I think um, really from what I'm doing is um, I'm listening to myself, you know, and I'm listening to my intuition, and I'm also listening to what. I'm needing to grow and whether it's <clears throat> I just came back from Idaho Horseshoe Bend um, beautiful place up there for speed flying and paragliding I went mm-hmm. up there for a weekend and ended up staying a month you know yeah because it was about a month ago you said hey I'm going to be coming through Salt Lake at some point you know yeah. pretty quick yeah and then I just kept seeing well it looks like he's he's gone you know he's I, I don't want to say stuck in a negative sense yeah but you pulled up at that spot and it was had a strong enough gravitational pull that you yeah. stayed. Yeah. And so, and that was a nice break from, you know, some of the other things that I wanted to do. And uh, so you've got a speed flying rig in there as well. I do. I got two wings in there. Most, nice. most speed pilots have more than me. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause so yeah, we could go into that. Yeah. I'm, Cause I can only imagine like my only, when I look at the development that that sport has gone through, yeah, since yeah. I made my first flight in 1986, I was going to say I saw that poster, <laughs> tandem flights off Mount Blanc. I'm like, oh gee, uh, Mark, yes, Mark F and Twight is OG <laughs> doing tandem flights, you guys, in Mount Blanc, in between probably free soloing, you know, some of the sickest lines in the world. But, One of those things had to go. I mean, or, well, no. you gotta, you gotta. Buy beer somehow, right? Yeah, but the, but the essential, I mean, but what happened there was okay. I think there's a, you know, I came to the conclusion that okay, there's a finite amount of risk that I can take, and that bank yeah. account full of luck doesn't have a balance sheet. Right, you never know. No, and so that's, that's a good point. And back to what exactly what you were saying, <clears throat> I tend to weave in and out of that, um, and and try to dance quietly with that balance of. You know, a lot of people are full-time wingsuiters. A lot of people are full-time speed flyers. Yeah. And a lot of people get hurt, you know, and, and, and or not. You know, the irony of it is just like when you're free soloing, you have to be current. You know, you have to be, your, your tools have to be sharpened. You almost need to do it all the time exactly. in order to, to have right. that sensitivity. Yeah. But then you also can't necessarily do it all the time right. because of the overwhelming the statistics, sort of sensory you know? And, and the sensory. And, and no, that's a good point. You know, sensory input for one. Absolutely. But then also the 
absolute lottery sometimes right. where okay you miscalculate by this and right. at that speed it right. doesn't you know one thing that with you know, soloing or whatever i mean especially in the mountains that there right. was like the bad shit rarely happened really fast right <laughs> like there was a there, there's an a, there's an a, a time to an on-ramp in a sense of yeah. like okay we're about to get fucked we're about to, okay this is getting really you know or whatever in the in the you know in the world of changing environmental conditions obviously there are other situations i mean for me where a couple of different times where the ice i was climbing just separated from the rock and i was either had one good tool in the ice that remained or a tool jammed in a crack right. in, the, in the rock. So when the ice left it, it mess. So that's the kind of thing where, okay, if you drew the short straw, it happened too fast. There was no yeah. way, you know. Your objective hazards are unseen. Yeah. And you're, like you said, the lottery's up. Exactly. And yeah. it, and um, and so I, th I think having a, how old are you now? 47. And so you've had this, this ongoing relationship with these, you know, let's say, you know, dangerous activities. Yeah. I mean, when I was 18, I, well, actually we can just go back a little bit further. When I was even a little kid, I don't even remember. I just remember my mom telling me people would walk up to me and say, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I would look at them and say, a skydiver. And, um, I don't know. I just would say that over and over again. And sure enough, on my 18th birthday, I was like, I'm going skydiving. And they're like, no, you're not. I was like, yeah, I'm driving to the drop zone today and go skydiving. And that was in 91. And, uh, and was that the first, um, so the, the access point in a sense, like to, to these types of activities or were you climbing? I was climbing before, before then. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> uh, climbing for a few years before then. But I mean, I was, uh, I, you know, grew up on a, on a small lake. Um, my father was a professional water skier for a while and he, um, was quite talented physically. I think, you know, he picked up running at 40 and then ended up just being an incredible athlete. No shit. Um, yeah, and he was an incredible musician as well. So, but I kind of grew up in this household of, you know, back then it was just kind of hands off and, you know, here's the flat boat and, and the motor. And uh, so we did a lot of exploring, but uh, really I think I got a lot of my adventurous uh, outlets so, on, on a lake water skiing. So Florida? Arkansas. Or Arkansas, okay. Yeah, yeah, Arkansas. All right. Yeah, you don't meet, meet many people from Arkansas. I mean, I could look back in our exchange to see what was the first like point of right sort of contact. Like, how did we cross yeah. in a way that started this conversation that I feel like has been going on for a year or so now? And and I always figured like, um, and and the thing that I had in my head as a topic, you know, of conversation, you know, for whatever thing that would would have was mental health i think it was something that came up original right. in one of like our original exchanges it was yeah and because this is like if we go and we can circle back to you know whatever 10 minutes ago in the yeah. in the conversation and say look people aren't getting into these activities because they're inherently stable happy people sure um which is not always the case but it is a fairly useful generalization yeah sure i, I mean think. just like free soloing you're just like climbing and it gives people meaning you know beyond their daily lives i mean it, it's yeah it's really simple but you know let's just let's I'm not going to say unpack. Let's examine <laughs> this because that's not something that gets un, uh, you know, uh, unpacked in a sense. But yeah. just be like, if we think, uh, you know, 
of sure. conquistadors of the useless, you know, Rather. the why, you know, why do you climb a thing? Oh, because it's there, blah, blah. Yeah. Those, those statements, those ideas indicate that there is no meaning. Right. And then, and, and so when I've, you know, when I was younger and trying to explain it, certainly, you know, first of all, most of all to my parents. Sure. Um, who I think universally never got it. <laughs> um, but was it, look, if, if there's, Anything that has no meaning provides the opportunity to assign meaning, mm-hmm. to discover and assign. And to me that, um, I mean, lately, especially with, you know, this project here, is sure. it takes me back to this, you know, the concept of optimistic nihilism in a, in a way that, look, we arbitrarily assign meaning. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Exa- you know, t- two things. Um, and then abide by those assignations, let's say. And, and I think it's a really fascinating way to go about life is to not necessarily accept meaning as it is, as we are conditioned, as it is, you know, the meanings that are foisted upon us, sure. let's say. Um, but to take something which, you, you know, what is the meaning of having a voluntary confrontation with one's own mortality mm-hmm. yeah like well okay it's a it's a thermometer it's, prob- it's a diagnostic that's it's probably a, the most important thing you can do i think so as well <laughs> <laughs> and i think most people would agree you know i think most people would agree that and it, yet also evade yeah that confrontation it's just the unknown you know it's the unseen it's uh it's something that it's just as beautiful as birth maybe you know and, and because it's maybe in a sense it could be characterized as um continual rebirth right you could say that but um it becomes kind of this quest where you um sounds like you've you've experienced some things and we also kind of connected on a, a different route of ego death through some plant medicine that also continues to humble me and I think a mixture between, you know, a deep reverence for life and also getting taught things through different ways. Um, if you actually do think you've felt and actually have died, which some plant medicines do and also some meditations do and yep. some very close calls um, flying through the mountains can do or soloing can do, um, you realize that, that um, I don't know, it's almost like it's not going to be that bad. It's going to just, it's going to be what it is. It's going to be, we're all, we're, I mean, yeah. I've already, I'm 47. I've already lived like probably a hundred lives more than many people, not in the sense, but also just the mortality of like the human race. Right. Yeah. So anthropologically, it's like, man, we've already, we're, we're doing great. It seems, you know, regardless, I mean, this is mid June. 2020. Wow, it, what a year, huh? No shit. <laughs> but but like <clears throat> despite and I'm going to use the phrase which, you know, you're not supposed to use right now because it's Oh, it, I can't wait to hear it's, it. It's not, you know, indic it's not it doesn't appreciate all of the shit that's going on, you know, <laughs> with all of the things that are going on right now. Oh my god. It, let, let's just let's just say that, that you know, uh, um in despite current events. I like it. I think we're in a living in a pretty remarkable time like it's probably one of the 
I, I don't want to say it's the best time to be alive because um, I can look back and maybe think of happier times. Generally, when I was younger, I didn't have to fend for myself and shit. But, um, <laughs> you know, and I was still hopeful. <laughs> um, you seem plenty hopeful over there. Uh, I'm a closet optimist. Yeah, man. <laughs> big smile on his face, you guys. Yeah. Just big smile. But I think now, like, like when you say there are no, you know, friends, no enemies, only teachers, I, you know, part of what I I feel like right now is like, oh, I am, I mean, I spent, before coming in, I haven't quite finished it because it's quite a long documentary, 165 minutes, I guess, um, called Hyper Normalization. Interesting. Which is, uh, I want to say that the, the guy who made it, it's from 2016. Oh. Um, the phrase, hyper, the, the term was um, invented uh, some you know, sometime in the, the old former Soviet Union. I mean, it might have been after it, um, after the fall, if you will. Yeah. You know, post 89 or whatever, but it, but it might have been slightly before um, where he was talking about like, Everybody, you know, the the citizenry, they know the system is broken. Right. The government, they know they can't fix it. <laughs> and so as long as everyone pretends mm. that the game is okay, mm-hmm. then the game continues to be okay. Like you become, you know, normalized to this fucked up situation right. because everyone is agreeing that man we can't imagine an alternative right therefore this is the game we're playing it we all have to believe in it even though that you know you're the fuckers we're the fuckies and you know we just know our place or whatever but it but it, but this the conditions become normalized and it's a, like the documentary is fascinating it it it, it you know it veers off into some conspiracy stuff, you know, sometimes, but a lot of the, 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 the political instances that are, you know, basically it starts in 1975 and goes until, you know, whatever, probably 2015 or something, because um, that would allow a year for editing. So it came out in 2016. Anyway, um, soundtrack is magnificent. There's a bunch of tracks by Burial. Um, Does it just uh, do a whole spectrum of, like, global issues or what's the yes whole, what's because the whole point basically i mean part of it is um the it, taking a examining certain political situations like um no i'm gonna stick with the uh all right i'm gonna the, i'm gonna try the, the some, spirits yeah some, uh, the spirits kentucky yeah sorry to interrupt but <laughs> I think it might be in Indi- it might, might be distilled in Indiana, but you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Good old close Kentucky enough. Kentucky bourbon. No, that's okay. Um, but like one of the things is like during the Reagan era, setting up um, setting up uh, Gaddafi as the bogeyman, and then him playing into that role, mm. right? Like, okay, we need people to look the other way from some other shit that's going on. If we can have an identifiable enemy, yeah, that's always the game, though, right? Yeah, and. It, yeah, and I mean, and then I mean, it. There was a. I mean, it talks about the, you know, the um, uh, Assad. You know, his role in the, of, um, div, you know, developing the concept of people turning themselves into human bombs. Oh yeah. The, you know this this idea of sort of the asymmet- asymmetric warfare in a sense, but the, his objective was to sort of unify the Middle East. You know, Kissinger's idea was to keep it unstable. Those two guys were at you know, at odds with each other. And then everything, and, and it's interesting that, you know, Curtis, the guy who made the documentary, kind of goes back and says, okay, this is, you know, he, he arbitrarily chooses a time in history when shit seems to, you know, happen that will support this ongoing 
thesis sure. in a way. Um, so he chose 75 and what happened with, um, you know, with Kissinger and then with Assad at that time. Um, and then everything that kind of, you know, ensued from that. It's, right. it's, it's pretty fascinating. You know, when he starts talking about UFOs and that kind of thing is <laughs> like, okay, we've got no more bogeymen down here. Now right. we have this other thing and right. maybe that's U.S. government sponsored, blah, blah, you know. Right. Okay. All right. Fast forward through that part, whatever. Sure. Right? Like maybe. Um, and, but um, it does begin to discuss the ideas of the, you know, these, of the internet of, you know, William Gibson's first, you know, discussion of cyberspace sure. and how that could exist, you know, separate as a way of like disassociating from reality in a right. sense and all of the political pressure and economic pressure. And I can go and I can exist in this other world and it's, and, and it's, it's free except for that. It's super fucking dark and is now, now being controlled. Like, right. yeah, it was going, it would, the idea in the beginning, I think was like, all right, all government out. This is a, this is a free space for people to explore yeah. them. It's like the, the Chaz or the Chop or whatever in I mean, Seattle right now. You know, yeah. it's just like, okay, this is, we're going to, we're going to try and do this experiment on our own in this place. Sure. And it can, because human beings are, I mean, there's a certain, let's say, subset of human beings who enjoy power. Sure. Um, who fall into misusing it because that's just a, seems to be a human thing. It's the nature of power. Yep. And, I mean, and it discusses, you know, the rise and fall of Donald Trump, of how, wow. you know, when, when New York cool. City couldn't, you know, essentially couldn't sell their bonds, the banks came in and said, hey, we'll take over. Sure. So it wasn't a politically run city anymore. It was run by, you know, bankers. If Whether this is, you know, this is, like there, there are threads in this documentary that I'm like, oh man. I need to check that I, out. What's it called I, again? It's called Hyper Normalization. Nice. And it's a, and it's a you, you can just check it out on YouTube. I'm going to give it, I'm going to do it. Yeah, it's wild. It's, um, and some of those things, like, okay, conceptually, I need to look at, you know, um, you know, the, the vast, you know, let's, is it BlackRock, um, which is like one of the biggest uh, investment firms, if you will, um, in the world. They're something like they're in control of many, many, many trillions of dollars in investments. And so sure. when they move, the market moves. Right. And the way that that started off by this, started by this guy, Lawrence Fink, um, and he set up this computer system, that, which I think he named Aladdin, uh, which is an acronym for something. And those that's all shit set up in, you know, in Wenatchee. <laughs> Like East Wenatchee, which is, oh, I, you know, I'm yeah, just I like, know oh yeah. yeah. And, and what like, is in Wenatchee? Okay. Apples. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's like, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I grew up in Washington, so that was oh, like, cool. oh, the cool. East side and, yeah. you know, blah, blah, blah. It's in the rain shadow. The weather was always nice there. You yeah. can go skiing at, uh, what is it? Mission Ridge is there or is it, I can't, I get to make hurricane or mission, whatever. Anyway, the, um, and I had no idea that this situation, but, the, but this computer arrays were basically developed to understand control prevent you know interesting things that had happened in the past and it happened like that that guy larry fink had apparently at one time due to some um poor investments and some other circumstances lost a hundred million dollars something like that and he That's was like nothing. i'm gonna invent a system that doesn't yeah. you know yeah i can't i can't lose that kind of money yeah exactly yeah. it wasn't mine to begin with yeah it, you know, and, and it wasn't even money to begin with conceptually you're correct i mean it's, it's ones and zeros it's in a computer i mean that's the whole thing about this whole system that you know i continually 
challenge people to think about is like what actually is going on what actually is happening what actually is money and who actually is in control and what actually is happening i mean i mean money is what we agree it is right? yeah, exactly I mean, it goes or its back, value is yeah, what we agree I mean, it upon. go back to like you know the, the old you know piece of stone with a shell and yeah it's uh i mean you've, i'm sure you've done some thoughts on this and the idea of money is like well i can't i can't give you something that you need other than this thing that then you can buy something that i can't provide so, right yeah so if i you know i'm a cobbler and and you know you have some meat you have meat i i can fix your shoes right now you know you come up and you have something i don't need well i need something so i can maybe buy some meat and uh you know just all my shoes are fixed what yeah. do we do now exactly like I, we can't exactly trade a service exactly. so we exactly. need something you know and the interesting thing about all that is i mean the things that really continue to drive me to do what i do is um it's almost like I have this passion to try to make money not a priority, you know, and also make my experiences my priority and my 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 friends my priority, my art my priority, my myself my priority. Um, but also, you know, realizing to me like that for me, even at a young age, um, I kind of was never really enamored by money, you know? And I just see it's endless. I mean, how many zeros do you need in your bank account? You know, and I think that's where some of the philosophers come in and they're like, well, that's the problem is it's infinite, you know? To have 100 million is not to have, you know, less than the other guy, it's to have more zeros, you know? And you have more money and what are you but gonna have you with think, that? When you think about it, like I am accumulating zeros, Zero is a null value. I like that. Right? Like, I like so that. guess what, folks? You're in this quest. And right. yeah, there are certain. It's endless. It's, I, I think the appetite for it is, it, it, it um, I think it, it's hard to stop. It's like sugar. Yeah. It, 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 there's something it, genetic about it. You know, it's got to be something so ingrained in our amygdala. I mean, we're talking like. Did we need more saber-toothed tigers, you know? Did we need to kill more, you know? Or did we need to gather more grain for the winter, you know? It's something, I think, that's actually deeper inside there, and we've just lost touch with it. And uh, it's not necessarily good or bad, but I don't value it. I just... Uh, uh, you have to notice it. Oh, man, it's everywhere. I mean, yeah, I mean, if you think think I mean, you, you, about you, it, like you, there's a, there there is a, there's a we are in a position where no matter how much we accumulate of whatever, yeah, it it it's okay. But if you look back, okay, gather enough to get through the winter, but not so much that we are immobilized right. by what we own or what by we what need to we, carry. Yeah. See, and there it is, like, yeah. um, and you could ne and we know that you could not carry it into the afterlife right i mean the only shit you carry into the afterlife is the stuff that matters right or into the next spring you know you got to put it on your back and keep going Ex yeah you know exactly which um uh limits mobility I mean, whatever, what we own limits our limits our mobility. The relationship, I mean, even if it's zeros and ones, you say that, it, it doesn't limit my mobility because it's in a, I, you know, it's stored somewhere else and I can access it via this thing that I always have with me, right? right? But still, it's an anchor, right? I think. And it's it's an anchor for consciousness for sure. Right. Um, and, 
I mean, what one of the things that, that we discussed before we started recording was sure. Um, so you'll do a contract as in, in you know in your 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 field as a psychiatric nurse, um, earn enough money, contracts over, you go back to living. Right, right. So I have this and, little saying that I always say. My uh, a couple of my friends know it. Um, you know, everybody say, "What are you going to do with your time off?" And I'm like, "It's not my time off. It's my time on." You know, yes. and so. I, yeah, so I'll work a couple contracts. Um, so most of you guys probably know, you know, nurses, uh, travel nurses, psychiatric nurses, well, just say travel nurses in general, we can work a, a contract anywhere between eight to 13 weeks. Okay. And um, I can kind of pick it, pick it where it's at, the town. Um, and yeah, and so I'm only required to be there six to eight to 13 weeks. And then that's that's how I do it. And I got into nursing for that exact reason. I just wanted to be able to work when I wanted and when I needed money. So, um, you know, kind of trying to bring back the dirt bag, man, you know, like just, just really trying to live on about $20,000 a year, you know? And, that uh, is, it, that is and remarkable for most. So, yeah, it's, it's actually, I'm doing it this year. Actually, my taxes last year were just a little bit more than that. And so when, uh, <clears throat> the government recently was handing out taxpayer dollars. Did uh, did some of that come your way? Because I'm thinking like a $1,200 check for Jamie would go for a ways. Yeah, yeah. You know, so maybe got... it, maybe it does the do. Maybe it is like the Treasury Secretary said. It it does cover you for about ten weeks. Yeah. Well, I got my 1,200, and I think I spent it on a wing, so it went uh, pretty quick. Okay. I was like, that's I, money I didn't have, so I need that extra wing. Nice. But um, but I am pretty frugal, and then I got a pretty good uh, uh, I get a tax refund every year, so. Um, so yeah. you said like the last time you worked was in March and I remember we had, um, I think we had exchanged something it, it, somewhere early on in the, um, you know, pre lockdown yeah. or whatever, but when COVID was a thing, sure. like, and people were starting to identify it, you were, I think you had said something like, Hey, there's like, if, you know, go to New York right now and, you know, do a contract and it could be big. Yeah. But yeah. then I don't think I ever saw you get much further east than Arkansas. No, <laughs> like, no. <laughs> no, I, I kind of, I had a, a couple things happen in Wisconsin where I was, um, kind of alluded me to the idea that, um, uh, it's kind of a long story, but there was, there was some possible exposure to nurses. And, uh, I mean, this is a whole topic that I've been wanting to talk about on, on other arenas. Um, because there was a lot of nurses, including myself, that were possibly exposed. And it's the way that they sure. kind of just, well, um, yeah, uh, you know, we're not testing you guys. Well, we're nurses. Like, we want to go work other contracts. We want to help people. Well, there's not tests available for you. Okay, so how do I know if I've been exposed? And so there was this huge thing that happened when I was working that um, just made me um, realize that... Uh, Oh, as my brother once said to me, you're nothing but a finger that feeds the beast. Oh yeah. And I just sat there and as a minion, as a as a as a soldier boy, I was like, ah, oh, all right. So I'm not really gonna stick my neck out anymore. Um and I so when everything kind of just blew up, um a lot of people, you know, were saying, Oh, this is our war, this is our Vietnam, this is our time to shine and, and I and I really am humbled by how nurses rallied to the mm -hmm. cause but um i just uh i felt differently I, and i also wanted to to 
take care of my own. I, I went back to Arkansas. My mom's there. My stepdad's there. My brother's there. What's up, McCree? He's probably listening to this right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, I've got some beautiful nephews and nieces and Miss um, Chandra's there. So I wanted to go just check on family. Mm-hmm. And, and then I basically wanted to just kind of sit back and see, really, is this the end of the world? Is this the apocalypse? And if it is, I'm with family. So. I'm with family. It's cool. I, I know these roads, all these back roads. I know where to get dried meat. You know, I know where to garden. Like I was, you know, I was the guy that went in and bought $400 worth of seeds and $400 worth of ammo. And that was me. And yeah. that's all I bought. And the lady at the Walmart was like, you planning on building a garden? <laughs> I said, <laughs> well... I was like, maybe. I've never seen anybody buy four hundred dollars worth of seats before. Yeah. And then you just look north in Michigan and realize, like, yeah, I was kind of prescient because there was a period there, whatever, and who knows how much of the. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, they're trying to put lockdown on that. Yeah, it's like, dude, that is the only way to revolt: grow your own food. Uh you know, and, and just unplug. And that's what... Well, no, I think it's to unplug. I mean, yeah. and, and, and growing one's own food or whatever is, is, part, of is part of that for yeah. sure. That is, you know, um, but I but I think it's the unplug. You know, there's... I'm, I'm sitting on the fence a little bit on that one. Yeah, no, I get because it. Because I'm... You got to be involved enough to know what's going on to, to, to be... Um, you know, to be a human on this planet right now and to be unplugged is probably a disservice. But I think growing your, like, the two things that you bought, you purchased from the Walmart, um, demonstrate, you, you know, the, the, the understanding of two different ideas. Sure. And, you know, and, and depending on what, okay, so food autonomy Is enormous, right? I mean, that's where most of our money goes. Yeah, to the grocery store. That's all. actually. Do you see an economic? Because I was, I was actually thinking. Okay, drive around. Okay, five point nine liter. Okay, so it's big. Your biggest expense <laughs> is fucking is gas. A little you, bit, but I, on, on the one hand, but it sounds like okay, I get to the place and I stay in place for a month, mm-hmm. and very little sort of moving around. Exactly. You, you know, feeding that engine. Exactly. Um, while you're there, so I just shot holes in my own argument and go back to like food is could be you know absent other you know mortgage kind of stuff yeah what's that but it, <laughs> yeah exactly i've had i've had some big ones though i got to see yeah and i've yeah i've had three or four of those so. and you become you know you're handcuffed to it in a way a lot you of behavior be. is yeah i mean yeah. if i wrote in twitching you know like oh, hey your good. your debt makes you obedient yeah you know, because you're never going to mouth off to the boss if you right. got the, the this debt to manage. And right. yeah, that 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 particular piece um, I've shared with a lot of people, and um, that was definitely. And I'm sure most of you've read that. Most of you listeners out here. So for me to be sitting here with Mark F and Twight, who wrote Twitching, is just for me. It's full circle. It's actually an honor to be here, man. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I feel those, like those words. What, what you're right, living right now that, is almost is, is the exact, thesis. Exactly, and, it, and that kind of resonated with me. You know, put the razor on your face and stare in the mirror, and and what who are you staring at? You know, who are you going to work for? You know, and why? And and most of you people out here, you know, maybe you're going to work for the right reasons. You got to take care of your family. You got to do you know your your stuff. But um, 
that's good, but you might have to read that again. I read it about once every year, and I've read it to some friends of mine and an ex-girlfriend. I think she broke up with me shortly after that. So okay. thanks a lot, man. Oh, you're welcome. Did she? <laughs> she took it to heart and she yeah. split. Yeah, she <laughs> like, was like, oh, like man. I'm, I'm, I'm out. I'm, I'm doing my own thing. You're now. a fucking madman. Yeah. I think she said. <laughs> so I was like, oh man. You I know, was, but I, I think we were. I think we were tripping on mushrooms actually. Okay. And I was like, hey, babe, you really need me. I want. I really want to read this out loud to you. And I'm sure it was just way too much. It's a. Some like I I've I I read it again. You know, I, I, there was a point there where I was trying to. It took a while because I thought I think that after I was, after I wrote that. For there was probably five years, six years maybe. There was a period where I didn't need to read it again because I was living it. Yeah, exactly. And then, man, it the the fucking stuff just creeps up, <laughs> and 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 it got I to know. a point where. You know, I realized, like, I mean, a bunch of, you know, I've gone through, a, in the last decade, I've gone yeah. through rather a lot of changes, I'd say. And and part of the, and, and part of the, the, the reason for divorce, the reason for no longer being involved with Jim Jones is, is because of this whole, like, I fell into that idea of doing what I don't want to do now in hopes of it being better later. Like, sure. you're okay, we're sure. working towards something. Yeah. What is that thing? Yeah. Can't define it? I don't need a second fucking house. Right. Like, I, I, I don't need more. Right. I need to fulfill the, you know, and to live these ideas that I have. Right. And there is nothing material that is required for that. Right. That, okay, yeah, I need, I gotta have my Maslow's hierarchy. I gotta have some shit taken care sure, of. Sure, sure. But I don't need redundancy. Right. In that hierarchy. Right. And I, yeah, I'm taking up, I'm maybe using more resources or whatever, maybe own a little bit more right now than I truly, truly need. Sure. But I, but it, 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 it became, you know, there's a period after I wrote Twitching where I didn't need to read it because I was living it, and then I, and then I tripped and fe- no, I didn't. It wasn't like I tripped and fell into, you know, trivia, sure, or you know, bullshit materialistic acquisition, um, or or you know, whatever, um, because it was it came creeping and it came slowly yeah, and it came always, unnoticed, and then all of a sudden one day, it's always I how had, it is. Eyes opened by the epiphany of you know whatever kind, and realized like fuck it, I gotta I read the article again, okay. and then <laughs> you okay, changed your life. This is me. Yeah, I am. You're, you're, yeah, I am super, who I wrote this to. Right. Yeah, that self identification for that. Yeah, you're. It's almost like you wrote yourself a letter, you know, and you just need to reopen it. You know, ten I years wrote later. future me a letter. Yeah, it, yeah. Yeah, that may be yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, maybe. I just know a lot of my friends who are going through some heavy stuff. Sometimes I give them that, and I say, "Oh, you just need to read this one." And I open it up, and I actually have that book with me. And uh, a f- good friend of mine, uh, Billy Simpson, who may actually hear this as well, he, as I was co- coming through Colorado, he gave me that book back, but it was on his. Uh, bookshelf there in Hodgkins, Colorado, and he was like, in Hodgkins, nice. He was like, man, that book really kind of ties that whole library together. But you know, it's your book, and it uh, 
and uh, I want to give it back to you if you want it. And I was like, he's like, I've gotten everything I need out of it, but he's had that book for a couple of years, and uh, I just wow. rode through there. And so, yeah, your book and your writings um, are powerful for people, man. It's really helped him as well, um, and it's helped a lot of us. So I really appreciate your writing and the art that you do. And, uh, yeah, it's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, man. Um, I have to say that this idea, the idea of the the power and the and the, and the, the good that that writing may have done, um, came up the other night because Selena and I were having a conversation, and she's like, "Man, you're just—I just sense that you're super—you're really fucking depressed right now. That like I want you to be happy. Maybe you need to start, you know to tr do this, or maybe we need to do these things together in order to do that." And she said, "Well, why are you?" upset right now and I'm just like because I'm looking at the world outside and I've and I think I've done my best right and nothing has changed sure. like I have it like I look and I just go I haven't fucking done enough but how you, do I yeah, and, and, you, and guess what you have made changes and but, it's it's I know several people you know and I know several people that know several people and yeah you might not have you know started a revolution but you definitely have started a well, small God damn it that's it i, I know like, i know i know your punk your punk rock <laughs> self and mine too right like I, I you know i wanted to be jim morrison and like come on stage and start you know stir a riot right yeah so, i mean who didn't want that power but also but it's the, not the power not, necessarily to but because it's the power to uh, let people understand that there is ways to change right so that's all i was trying to get at it's like man like there's ways that we, it's not power to me. I, I have to. I have to call it something else because yeah. no, power I wanna, definitely uh, these days has a has a shit kind of oh and, 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 dude yeah. And me even like saying that word power, um, I'll just say it for the record. It's it's a negative word. Oh yeah. I mean, in work, you know. So power, I want to power to the people. But but in a sense, you know, power power is it it can be take a neutral. The, take the power back. Yes. Come on, come on. Yeah. Right. And. So when I say, you know, to have the power to start a, you know, to, to start a movement, if you will, is one, is one idea. But I'm just like, look, I, all I wanted to do was either be the key or show that there is a key to a lock. And that lock is, those locks, the lockdown, all of that is stuff, it's in ourselves. It's something we impose upon ourselves. Yeah, sure. These limitations, because, man, until you push up against an actual limitation, all those limitations are self-imposed. Right. And and when we start to talk about like, okay, take the power back, that that you say that and it means that you have recognized that that personal power That's it. Has been stripped away, has been has been you know, quashed, removed, whatever. Um, but when we you think about power as a bad word in a way, because this is like Every, you know, what I see happening right now, mm -hmm. yes, race is absolutely involved. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. But to me, this is, this is an issue of power. Mm -hmm. And I don't think people are looking, you know, it's like, hey, stop police brutality. I'm just like, hey, look beyond to who gave them permission, who reinforced them expressing certain power. Mm -hmm. It's like, we are outsourcing our security to them and... Um, politicians are outsourcing 
th- their desire for control to the police. The yeah. police are caught in between two different things. Yeah. And, and I think people are just like, hey, let's stop this police thing. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Everybody just step back because the problem goes higher and higher mm-hmm. and higher to the, to, to the absolute highest mm-hmm. levels possible. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason that we stop on the police is because their expression of power is something we think that we have um, the motive, well, not the motive, uh, yes, the motivation, but also the motive as in the engine. We think yeah. that, okay, that's something we can change. Yeah. Whereas what is allowing that expression of power to be, um, or allowing their power to be expressed upon us yeah. is we look at, okay, there's a political landscape that we don't believe we can change. So we focus on the thing that we can. That's just feel good bullshit. Yeah, but we could, we can change it all. You know, that's the whole point. And I know, and, and I, and it, man, I mean, I, I unplugged from pretty much everything a while ago and then recently I tapped back in I listen to democracy now I watch that every every once a week I kind of tap in and okay and binge watch some democracy now what is that I don't know um, I'm sorry I don't know what this is <clears throat> tell me so democracy now is uh, it's a group that does like a vignette of the week's happenings okay um, and they'll do the day happenings um, and as the name would imply it's a super um, is it Centrist left. I would say. I'm guessing it, it's not I would right. Say, I would say it's <laughs> like. Oh, I mean, I think the centrists would say it's extreme left, and I, th- I think okay, that, and I think the extreme leftists would say it's centrist. Yeah, and I and I think well played. Yeah, yeah, and I think the BBC would say you know um, it's spot on. So, because uh, one of the things I've been trying to do lately, the, especially yeah, since the end of February, yeah, I mean, centrist is, is like, where it's at. You I'll know? run everything through a, a media bias sort of sure. software program or whatever it is. Like, go to the website. I'm like, oh, plug in the National Review. Okay, you know where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. You know, plug in you know real yeah. real politics right. or spiked or yeah. you know lawfare or empty right. wheel right. or any of these other things right. and i'm like okay i get a sense of where they're coming from right. now that helps me to characterize yeah. what i'm reading yeah, so so this bias sort of thing is something that i'm a little bit i mean because i know where yeah. mine are and I yeah don't... if you haven't checked them out man democracy okay. now is um, a really good voice of reason and they they tap into not only like, you know, what's going on with the coronavirus, but they tap into like, they leaked the story months ago about how we had GIs trying to overthrow the Panamanian government. You know, I don't know if you've seen this stuff, but this isn't, this isn't like conspiracy stuff. So, I, so no, they, no, they totally, have, I mean, those guys got, they, they got, got out, got a contract, didn't realize what the, I mean, they were they were cruising around in the ocean trying and yeah. their their mission was to take out the leader of Panama. There's no doubt. And you know, we've got guys like that, secret guys like that all over the world trying to take out Colombia and Venezuela and all these places. And and so for me it's really refreshing because I I'll plug in enough to go, okay, yeah, we steer all pretty fucking corrupt and yeah, yeah we, <laughs> nothing's really changed. We're taking this whole like the world's in chaos. And yet we're sending, you know, secret missions to try to overthrow governments. Well, or that's, that's, whether we're sending them or whether we are simply looking the other way oh, with man. knowledge that's of top, them. I mean, that's all. It, no, no, that's all top secret shit. Those boys are in there. I mean, 
we all know what's going on. I mean, if you know, if if the the head guys grab some panamating guys grab our GIs out of a out of a submarine and they're like, uh, these guys were like coming in a canal and they were they were ready, armed and dangerous. They were about to take us out. It's yeah. like, hmm. And then they start shaking them down, and these guys are like, yeah, yeah, man. Well, um, hmm, yeah, yeah. We're American citizens. Yeah, we we're actually military and. Hats off to all, by, but, right? Hats but off to my military guys out there, man. I fucking love you guys, um, and you guys got a fucking heavy job, and yeah. But the whole point of what I was trying to say is, um, is is the world's really quite complicated, like you said, and unprecedented. It's and even going back further, it's an unprecedented time, and about power, and about how you wrote twitching. And really, for me, um, I just didn't really know what else to say other than, like, we talked earlier, and what really resonates with me is keeping things as simple as possible. And the power of yourself, the power to make yourself happy by your own personal decisions, no matter if there's riots in the streets or coronavirus masks on everybody's faces or whatever. So for me as a psychiatric nurse and also as a mental health advocate, um, I've really encouraged people uh, to to kind of take a step back and go, what? How can I continue to live in this crazy world? You know, all this violence, you know, all this disease, all these people telling me what to do. I can't even go to the store. You know, I can't go outside. I see so much fear in people's eyes. And let me tell you, I mean, they're all plugged into their TVs and their smartphones. Without those things, there would be no fear. I mean, in 1918, they did make people wear masks, mm -hmm. you know, before they got on the train or whatever. Yeah. That's fine. But the fear-mongering, every single headline has a negative connotation. Every single one. And it's like, look, man. And I don't, for, for my, let me cut in for a second. Yeah, but Because I look, I look at the, the, those headlines now, and I absolutely agree with you that these are sort of fear-mongering types of things. Like these are, the, but, and I can't, even, you know, in the past, it was easy to say, oh, that's the shit that sells advertising. Right. I can't even go there anymore because right. I look at that and I go, this is this is the stuff that sells control and 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 basically and, and disarms the people right. by way of the mechanism of fear so that they are more easily controlled. Absolutely. And there's no doubt. And there's no doubt. I mean, they're 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 pushing it right down our throats, they're pushing it right in your eyeballs. You know, and, and when we and talk, about, if we talk about so that true. concept of normalization, and this is the thing that I've brought it up a couple oh, of man, times, you see it every day. Exactly that 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 uh, um, I say. Look, you you are you are getting used to obeying. Mm -hmm. You are being normalized to obedience, in a sense. Like, okay, stay at home because it's safe. Stay at home because you don't want to kill grandma. Stay at yeah. home. Don't go to the store. Don't, you yeah. know, because, because that grocery store worker, they're working a minimum wage job. It's been, you know, blah, blah, blah. You don't want to try and, you don't want to kill them. So minimize your exposure to, you know, or their exposure to you, potentially yeah. a pestilent carrier, you know, or whatever. Right. So all of these things sound, make it, make your obedience sound like the good thing, the positive yeah, thing. For the people. And, yeah. For and, everyone. Yeah. And once you get accustomed when right. that obedience has become normalized right. then it's easier to tell to get you to agree 
to the things that may be less convenient for you. Right. That may be less. Oh yeah, your job's not essential. Stay home. Mm-hmm. And here's an ex, you know here's your eighty percent unemployment, and yeah. here's your extra six hundred dollars a week. Man, it's so hard to get unemployment right now. Uh, just saying. I mean, in, in, I, in, I, I'm sure. I mean, just, especially. Hey, in, come in, on, you're a contract. You're a, yeah. you're a subcontractor. Of yeah. course, you can't do it. Yeah, man. totally. But, but even even some of my friends, you know, they're, they're okay. just getting hassled. They're getting the runaround, and you know, the the political, and also like the computer stuff, and I don't know. So, um, but pointing at the the real issue is exactly what you're saying. Is here we have this normalization, right? And we all know it. We all see it. Things are starting to open up. You know, I just went to the climbing gym. Yeah. All, all the all oh, the no all the climbing gym staff had their mask on. You know, and they're all like, you know, social distancing. You see all these things. And these... Come on, they can't even clean chalk off holds. Right. You think they're disinfecting that shit? Right. Totally. Like I'm just like, totally. come on, go. But 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 the thing is, and then the, the which the worst, I don't care about. I'm the just worst like... part about being a gypsy and and you know on my Instagram and whatever like that that is some sort of like different way of associating myself with myself that is a little bit ego-ish and I you know but I at least have on there the three things that I identify with are I think it says travel nurse dirtbag nomad and you know for me it's like oh I don't put on there oh I'm a wingsuit pilot or oh I'm a speed flyer oh look at all my GoPro 360 footage for me it's it's this life that that I think um, I, I am lucky enough to live and I'm lucky enough to be a part of and, you know, on the backs of Fred Becky and Javon Chouinard and, you know, all the climbing dirt bags, man. I mean, I, I've been a climber most of my life. So mm-hmm. this whole climbing dirt bag van life thing is is really not, it's not van life, man. It's just, you know, it's ba- being, it's life. it's life, man. I mean, being a surfer and being a, um, a an artist and, and being a... Um, a climber, a van was essential. You keep your stuff in it, you know, and you keep keep going down the road. So it's a place you keep your stuff, you keep your surfboards, you can keep your climbing gear, and, and a place to sleep. You can get from one place to the next. And that it's just it was just practical. And you know, it had nothing to do with like Instagram. Phones weren't uh, even yeah. invented by then, you know. Like oh, cell yeah. phones weren't even. And dude, like I mean, I've I mean, spent listen- many times in Camp Four, right? Like Camp Four was just like filled up with like you know Volkswagen vans, even in my day in the nineties. Like, oh it, yeah, you know. and before that, I mean, if you like one of the best podcasts I have listened to lately was a Joe Rogan podcast with David Lee Roth. Oh wow, my dude. hero! Holy, both those guys are my heroes. Well, yeah, Ro- I think Rogan's doing an amazing service to he is society I to have, the human race i have binge listened to him when i was working up in wisconsin i had this desk job and i got my phone and i put it up and i had my headphones all i had to yeah. do is like enter data okay but i binge watched basically probably every podcast that he had okay. but i haven't heard this david lee roth one but i mean i did i think it's number 1256 so, i think it's like from so it's new it, well i think he's in the 1400s now so i want to say oh. it's, it's it might be from a year ago Okay, because I mean, I or, was I was caught up to like the Elon Musk and the Laird Hamilton ones, and fuck, I, I would ha- I'll have to look this up, but okay. it, you know w- w- when it was because I may have just given a bad episode, but or number, um, but okay, so his IQ is reputed to be in the one eighties. He is a smart motherfucker, Joe. No, David, David Lee Roth. And I, I heard rumor that he was like living in like Thailand doing jujitsu or something. So okay. 
the thing that I want to talk about that there are just, we'll, we'll get to we'll get tangent tangent, tangent. sorry yeah, tangent I, like, man, I heard but this who cool thing a, of it and I got a cool story about him by the way he came to Arkansas and one of my buddies took him rock climbing so he's been a climber for a long time exactly and so he was living in the fucking camper in Camp Four like oh. back in the day the guy so when so that one record where gotcha yeah he's know, on the side of El Cap he's no he's on uh, Northwest Asia Half Dome. That's I think right, he, that's he's, right, and that's it's right. a photo. I think right. it was shot by David Brashears. He I was he say. was Hondling before Hondling was cool. Yeah, but no shit. He's on that ledge. Yeah, he is on he is on that that Honnold ledge. He is on the what you know people would now call that the Honnold and they ledge, call it Honnoldling like, now. Yeah, exactly. My, so, my nephew does. He's like, oh, are you gonna go Honnoldling? I love it. It's fucking hilarious. I so love it. so he you know um, comes from that. He he came from that sort of dirtbag lifestyle a little bit. I didn't you know, know that. I didn't and, know that. And then, and the thing that you're referring, so one of the coolest things to me, you know, he's talking about the, 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 you know, how Van Halen developed. He's just like, hey, we were working, you know, we were working clubs. Anything that was within two hours of, you know, where we lived, LA area, we would go play those clubs. Yeah. And they said, we never sent out a demo tape. We never did anything. And his position was, if we're as good as we think we are, they will come to us. And they fucking did. Nice. And the, the thing that you're referring to, so he's, he's, um, he, He's had started studying kendo. Gotcha. So it wasn't jujitsu; it was kendo. Gotcha. So and, and he wanted to go learn from the place. So he fucking par- basically parachutes into Japan. <laughs> he doesn't speak a lick of Japanese. Doesn't can't read the street signs. Whatever. Yeah. He posts up. He you know starts going to this you know figures out how to get to this school with this particular master, etc. And he start, and, and part of this podcasting is like, hey, you know how you. Uh, uh, how you learn, you know, Japanese? Well, you start watching children's programs on right, TV. Right. right. You watch the cartoons. Yeah. And then pretty soon, then that evolves into more complicated dialogue, et cetera. And pretty soon you can kind of read, you know, these things. And so he dove headlong into that culture. Cool. Um, studying, it, I mean, to, to the extent that he has the full um, tuxedo tattooed in using the old, I guess it's called a, ta- I don't know any, you know, a, my only i mean it's just this last weekend with a bunch of dudes that are covered um which but do you, do you, do you have a tattoo i don't i don't either i don't and and, and my only and I, when I the think, guys I are going to ask me think, hey when are you going to get your first i think we're an anomaly in this day and age potentially I mean, well that's I, pretty wild huh these guys they asked me they're just like hey when are you going to get your first tattoo and i said the only tattoo i'm going to get is a giant dnr on my chest i like it and that's you I know, like it. That's how I'm going out. I like <laughs> but, um, it. Paramedic opens it, and I'm like, I shit. I I think I, I'm not legally bound by this tattoo, right. but whatever. I think there's a tattoo place across the street. Yeah, that we could go to. That. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, just for, so you guys know, I knew he was in a good spot because the titty bars across the street. Well, hey, you know? I mean, it, the, you know, we the brew pub is there, the barbecue joint. We're not in a bad part of town. It's true. But the <laughs> other thing that um, David Lee Roth did, like, okay, rock star, this that, he's 50 years old. Yeah. He goes and certs as an EMT. Whoa. And he works four years in the LA area as an EMT. And Whoa. Joe's like, why do you do that? And he goes, it's cross-training, man. It informs the rest of my art. Whoa. I need to go out. I need to talk to people. I need to see what their problems are. Whoa. And so like when you're talking about right. like doing these contracts yeah. and you do them in different locations, right. I just go, he's they're doing the same thing. It's like, this is fantastic. Yeah. It's informing. It yes. Yeah, it's giving you the currency to, you know, to but put man, put gas in your van and gas in your dude, mouth. So much more. But so much more because so like you more. said, you're 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 interacting with people in a 
I'll just say down and dirty way that Super gives dirty. you access to humanity yeah. that I think we, you know, sometimes purposefully try to insulate ourselves from. I mean, when's the last time you've been in a psychiatric facility? It's like a lockdown place. Like, you know, no one's in, no one's out. You don't know what's going on in there, you know? And that's where I wanted to be. I wanted to be where, you know, that I wanted to be on the, behind the glass, basically. There was a guy that um, was, he, he was an instructor at Jim Jones, guy I used to race bikes with a long time. He went to, um, went through a nursing program here at Westminster and his, and his first work out of college or while he was getting, going through school was at the psych ward, you know, psych ward, I think at the university here. Yeah. And he would tell some stories and I'm just like, Josh, how the, f- how, how can, how do you go through life and have that not affect you in a negative way? Because I'm speaking, you know, because I'm asking the question from a, a, a position what you know where i i mean i know i'm maladapted but <laughs> yeah i mean come on retwitching yeah but yeah. Um, but but there's like okay how do you expose because i know about the importance of environment yeah 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 and exposure so when, to that when you're in the, when you're behind the glass there do you feel yeah. um obviously you wouldn't go there without a, a a deep deep relationship with empathy absolutely but do you see, like, like I want to okay, the, I I want to dis like stay as far away from that as possible because yeah. I see a, a negative outcome yeah, of being so, in that environment. So, but obviously, you don't because right. So I get a lot of growth from it, you know. And okay. I think most psychiatric nurses who do the work that love the work that show up every day and excited to be there, um, those nurses learn from it and love it and love giving that compassion, that empathy to people that are basically having the worst day of their lives, maybe the worst month of their lives, maybe the worst year of their lives. And as much as, you know, a lot of your writing can, you know, be dark, you know, imagine stepping into an insane asylum, you know, and that's your job. And your job is to bring a little bit of normalcy, a little bit of hope, a little bit of smiles, maybe make somebody laugh. And, um, you know, it to me it's it's some of the rawest most humane things that that i that i do and and i think honestly like as much as i want to um sometimes we all have this like self detriment i definitely am very proud of the fact that i can walk into some of the heaviest psychiatric hospitals in america and i have i've walked into some sick dark hallway places, uh, especially in Bakersfield, California. And, you know, and my challenge was to do it. It was like, just like you, when you sat there at the McGee McDee or whatever the solos that you did, you sat there and you looked at that thing. You're like, I'm about to walk in there. And it's a huge challenge. So I think for me, it's the same thing. I do a lot of soloing. I do a lot of extreme sports and, um, I do some extreme humanity. And uh, I, I don't know why I do it. It's just part of who I am. It's part of what makes me tick. And uh, a lot of people say that, uh, you know, psych nurses are definitely psych themselves. So the coolest, funnest thing is, is to kind of roll in there and things can be super heavy. And sometimes I'll just like, one day I'll show up and I'll just put my wingsuit on and I'll just start walking around. They're like, what the hell? And it just, you know, or I'll just 
bring my speed wing in there or my paraglider and have them show them how to pack and just kind of take them out of their heads, take them on this like complete different journey of uh, what it is to be alive and human. And, um, and you know, I mean, there's definitely like this photograph I'm looking at right here. This guy's like kind of like bound together and screaming. Like I, I, I've wrote, written a lot about those things about how and how to process those things. But, um, um, psychiatric medicine definitely has a lot to, to learn and how to grow. Um, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners have been and have friends and family that have been in these places. And some of them are really good. I mean, there's, I worked here in Bountiful, um, up at Lakeview hospital, great facility. Um, it's all like kind of what you said. It's, you set the stage. So I've worked in facilities that you walk in and it looks like a complete prison camp, right? Okay. And those people are greeted by big, tall, muscular men usually, yeah. right? You know, whatever. So just, I mean, just kind of like the movies you see. But that establishes a... a, a, a power a, imbalance. A, yes. Okay. So exactly. Like, my point is, so you roll into Lakeview Hospital and, you know, it looks like a five-star hotel. And you're greeted with, you know, a few fairly nice female or male people um, not in scrubs yeah. and not angry and not tall and not big and gnarly. And the same patients that would be at those gnarly facilities are the same patients that we're going to have at this really gentle place that's got, you know, I could put the Netflix on, on the radio or right. on the on the TV and um so the and, outcome there it seems like hey their doors are unlocked and the you know the, oh. the unit's locked but their doors are unlocked they have more freedoms they have they have snacks anytime they want they can change the channel of the tv anytime they want they got tons of things to do they have ultimate access to us as nurses and staff and exactly right the outcome is completely different i'm no shit. Yeah. I mean, who would have thunk it, right? And, but, but, like, that's but the we, beauty of, like, why I do what I do is, like, to see those patterns and see that, like, yes. And, and it's also allowed me a lot to learn about myself and how to, myself to be uh, happy is, like, your environment is everything. Let's just say that that is, I mean, what you have just described, in my opinion, is what we are seeing in the world writ small yeah, right I now. Like, that. Yeah. like okay, yeah. there's this power in Like when you, right. and, and, and for me, if, you know, talk about, go back to the power thing, it's just like, hey, when the cops roll up, like here, you know, there was, there was one day of pretty serious fucking rioting. It was coincident, uh, you know, with our symposium. Damn. Um, and Thurk went down uh, two different times. He went down to the, photograph the protest. Right. Th and he was there as it turned into a riot. Damn. And he came back. And then it was full-on riot by the time SWAT and the guard and everything came. He went back down to shoot again. Yeah. His, he's uh, f forever changed by that uh, on the one hand. But I'm like, okay, when the SWAT team rolls up and they've got like the Batman logo on the front of the van, when, you know, the the, the cops show up and they're, they've got their own fucking MRAP, you know, some military surplus shit and they're all jocked up like... Like, if you just go back to that book called Dress for Success. There you go. 
you know, back in the day, well, hey, our uniform is our personal environment. Right. And that uniform is going to influence how we behave. You right. t- you jock those motherfuckers up like right. soldiers, yeah. then there is no de-escalation. Right. You have just dressed them for the success. And if that's the outcome you want, well, that's the outcome, you know, you're going to get as a poly. Like, here, let's get them as military. Let's create an extreme power yeah. differential between yeah. them, the yeah. enforcers, and the citizenry. Right. We can throw the term peace officer out the fucking window right, right now which is a beautiful term which you know goes to show you like the peace officer is really where it's at and yes. and, and 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 the guys in blue that go to the protesting and 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 the first thing they do is they kneel for the protesters and say yeah we're with you in solidarity we need everybody to be cool but we're going to kneel show you we respect you and bro and as long as that's not self-serving sure but Different I'm, than rolling in in your tank and armor and your no SWAT shit. team and throwing freaking grenades. Like, yeah. you know, you want to fight, we'll bring it. I mean, it's the same thing. You roll into a bar, some guy rolls up, you know, he's cocky and whatever. It's different, you know? It's like the same thing with, like, the the whole human experience. And I guess and I've been really, really good through this whole thing because I've been trying to surround myself intentionally in rural areas around people that are passionate about their own lives and that that actually are some are living in cars some are living in tents i kind of seek out these nomadic camps because it allows me to feel at home you know and when you say nomadic camp is it nomadic around an activity right let's say in a way because i'm imagining at horseshoe there's probably right you know hey we're nomadic but we're We're here this is is a site of power exactly this is this this is is our access point to the universe exactly these are magical sites like horseshoe canyon ranch horseshoe that's that's another magical site that's a climbing area Um, but horseshoe canyon flight park is on the banks of the Payette River, and the way the river turns, it creates this upwelling of wind that actually makes perfect wind conditions, even if it's a south wind or southwest or southeast or whatever. It'll wrap around this mountain and go up this mountain Okay, as a paraglider and speed flyer. It, it basically... It sounds ideal. <laughs> it, 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 and, and, and it is. And there's a couple spots like that in the U.S., and... You're guaranteed the pilots that are in the know, or just like me, I showed up for the weekend, and I'd yeah. been there a few times before, um, but I showed up for the weekend and just flew every day, all day long for weeks, and you just can't do that. And the setting, right? So it's, this, you know, that's back to the whole mindset of like the psychological, it's the set and setting. You know, you, you talk to all these psychonauts, and it's the set and setting. Yeah. And you, you, you know, you, you do a set and setting, you have a river and a big giant green mountain and you got beautiful people. Um, man, I've just, the last three or four months I've been living probably the best life I've ever had, you know? And I came into Salt Lake and I'll just say it. Like I came into Salt Lake, it's the first city I've been in, in since March probably. Yeah. And, uh, it's the first time I've driven in a big city. Let's just say that, um. I did. I did. I will say that I drove on the outskirts of Chicago right as it hit. Okay. And there wasn't a wasn't a car on the road. Oh it was, yeah. It was absolutely incredible. Um, I was really relishing that. But um, but I see people walking around in masks, and people just seem really afraid. And yeah. I know. I know there's been a lot of riots. And I I went to Planet Fitness today. 
because I was going to get a shower and they got it all blocked off. And the guy looked at me and said, oh, no, we've had a huge, huge rise of coronavirus and we just shut them down like yesterday and blah, blah, blah. Well, I mean, I, you know, I looked at, you know, got out my little AI machine and looked at it. Your AI machine. Nice. You, that's, right. that's, that's a... I mean, we basically are with that. I mean, that's, oh, yeah. I got that from Elon Musk when he did the Joe Rogan thing. Like he, he I love Joe Rogan, by the way. And and these podcasts are incredibly uh, enticing intellectually. Yes. So um, back to my point. So I was there and the guy's just, he just got fear in his face. He's like, yeah, we've had this huge uptake in, in coronaviruses recently in, in Salt Lake and all these new confirmed cases you know you hear yeah. that all the time confirmed cases yeah well so i just got my little am machine i was like well what the hell's going on in salt lake salt lake county whatever all right so the entire state of utah has got like 100 deaths yeah 74 in salt lake county as of yesterday 74 in six months 90 percent of these people are over 70 years old Bro. I mean the the the, the, st- I mean, the I mean, stats like the mortality versus confirmed cases it mimics just about everywhere. Six thousand confirmed, but, three thousand yeah. recovered, seventy four dead. Ninety percent of the people are over seventy. All right, so we're talking basically. What does that mean as a, as a healthcare provider? Oh, a nursing home got hit, you know, and and so. And yet this young man is looking at me with fear in his eye. And I'm like, dude, you're fine. But if you go see your grandma, that's not cool. Like, that's the conversation we need to be having. Yeah. And to shut the entire world down, especially the entire world economy down because of this whatever novel virus is obviously unprecedented. And I'm not, you know, I'm not uh, an expert, but bro, there's more to it. Period. Like, this is not, this is A, not cool. Is there a B? <laughs> also, yeah. not cool. Actually, <laughs> B is, it is cool because there's going to be incredible change. Yes. And that's what I'm hoping is I, you know, when the 1% movement started happening, I was like, that this is it. And then they came in with their fucking SWAT teams. Yep. And they fucking took out all the camps. And I was like, ugh thought that was it i thought we were i mean we we were we, we got some legislation then yeah but like as much as i'm not political i'm a patriot you know i'm an absolute love this country on the values that it is and i'm also very humbled by the indigenous people that we've stomped into genocide so i have this balanced look at it like yeah i'm an invader you know i'm of european blood i'm you know we all are you know the only yep. people that really need probably to be <laughs> you know, uh, to be respected are the native people that have been here for generations and generations, thousands of generations. And we all should leave and let them just take back the world. But that's a whole nother But then topic. we'll be invaders somewhere else. But everybody's like, like oh, we're Americans. It's like, come on, guys. Yeah, I mean, we're colonialisms. Like, it's just, um, but I lost track. I mean, the, the, I think the, I think you're right that this will, that, that there is the potential for for good unprecedented positive change yeah i mean absolutely there is also i mean i go back to the whole normalization argument and one thing i wanted to kind of get, bring up it, 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 under the topic of mental, umbrella of the mental health talk sure is that one of the things that i had 
recognized early or thought I recognized and I would like, you know, a more uh, experienced opinion on this was the mental, the, the downstream unintended consequences, unintended, unintended mental health consequences of the blanket declaration of essential, non-essential based on someone's job. Mm, good point. And how people identify with their work. Good point. And if you tell me that my job is unessential, you're telling me that I'm not essential. Mm -hmm. And what? And then you put me in isolation to mm -hmm. live with that. Mm -hmm. What are the, you know, the follow-on, mm -hmm. the three months, six months, five-year effects of that declaration and then putting people in economic hardship kind of conditions. Insane. Is, yeah. Like, I don't think they thought about that. Yeah. That they would, that, that, like, you will in, like, you, politicians, when you make these decisions, you will inherit the mental health outcomes yeah. in a much longer term than you're concerned about, you know, saving lives. Yeah. I don't think you're that concerned because, you know, um, most politicians aren't concerned about no, that. Fuck no. And they got they got they get yachts in Maui, bro. Yeah. And, <laughs> and well I mean there th may be th some that. local guys that you know and, and nothing against politicians in general, but like yeah. Oh I why mean, not? Because I mean, <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to be centrist I, here. I know okay. I, I, I have a few friends that are like running for like, you know, local office and they're just they're they're awesome anarchists too. But. So they're up against a rig system and they're never gonna but, but be, they're, be they're, allowed they're, in. They're, gonna they're get, not gonna get a lot they're not they're gonna, gonna get, get in there and they're gonna like, you know. They're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna, you know, fist the cuff a little bit. Like, there's some people in there that are rebel rousing, and I mean, which, which is fantastic on yeah. a on on a local level, and I think then you become indoctrinated. You, you know, you yeah. become who you hang around. Right, right. And as radical as you can be, like, yeah. you, okay, I'm gonna put on my fucking sheep's clothing yeah. and run for office, and then get in yeah. there, and then I'm gonna be, you know, tear it off and be the wolf. I mean, if you yeah. just listen, okay, if you didn't um, listen to the rogan podcast with um jocko and with tulsi gabbard mm -mm. i mean listen to the, that lady and mm -mm. i'm just like why in the fuck can we not have her right. as the democratic nominee whatever right like on the ticket obviously because they don't they because the yeah. the you know the democratic party realize okay yeah. she's uncontrollable right. she is and well. she checks all the boxes she's minority she's a you know mm -hmm. she's a veteran. So, I mean, I don't do she politics is, very well, but I have been following this guy. His name's Bernie Sanders. I've heard about that gentleman, yeah. And bro, when he basically backed out of the race, I mean, come on, you guys. Like, really? Like, when he backed out of the race, I pretty much was like... Okay, I'm out too. I'm, I'm, but I, th I I'm, think... I'm not only out, bro, but I'm, I'm out on like... a personally like, yeah that's when i unplugged from pretty much everything because i you know at that point i was like all right like wow and man you listen to what he was saying and you saw his rallies you know and you know i know what it in my mind what it be means to be an american and have values and have universal health care and, and he, he hit it I and mean, right when the pandemic was hitting he was basically yeah. like look uh guys this is a good reason why i'm talking about universal health care because things like this can happen and what is it, 60% of the bankruptcies or something like that in the- Are all in, healthcare related. Are, are healthcare. I mean, yeah. I, I, work in the, I work in the field, man. Yeah. And uh, I'm here to tell you, they're going to take your bank and your house and your car 
and they're going to put stickers on all your stuff. They're going to take your money. They're going to garnish your wages, yeah. and they're going to charge you three hundred dollars for a normal sailing bag, and it costs them two dollars. Yep. You know, yeah, we know so it's crooked. Those are the benefits of having a for-profit medical system. Absolutely. I mean, I'm no, all... no. And dude, it is the only country in the world that yeah. has a gnarly, gnarly medical system for profit, period. And is would this be one of the reasons, um, because we, we were talking before we started recording about so, some of these psychiatric um, hospitals uh, being shut down right now? Absolutely. Is it because there is... No profit. <laughs> well, like, there's not or, much profit really okay. in that in that in that game. They get a little bit of profit. Most of their clients, um, you know, are uh, Medicare, Medicaid. Okay. Um, and the specialty of psychiatric medicine is um, a very uh, let's just say it's not very lucrative. Sure. So your lucrative things are your surgeries. Yeah. Right. You know. Hence yeah. the number of people furloughed because the um, elective procedures right. that were, you know, not just, just not available. Right. During and, and, the, we, uh, and we've all know, seen it on the news yeah. and we all talked about it. You know, we've all see it. But, uh, yeah, so these large corporations which own the hospitals have gotten gigantic uh, checks from the CARES Act. All right. So, like, okay, we, we can't let the banks fail. Can't let the airlines fail. Can't let the railroad fail, you know. Well, Amtrak, whatever. And we can't let the hospitals fail. We can't let the police fail. Um, but yet, so what I'm seeing on the front lines is... So all those are essential. Right. No. But when, Yeah, right. But what I'm seeing on the front lines is just, you know, so people know what's really going down is on the front lines of medicine, especially as in nursing, everybody's like, oh, the nurses are saving the day. The nurses are getting kicked in the face, you know? Oh, yeah. Every single day they're going to work. There's nurses that are getting their contracts canceled. They'll drive cross-country, show up at a hospital, and be like, oh, your contract's canceled. Like, what? That's not part of the contract. Well, that's what we're doing. So contracts are getting canceled left and right. Um, lots of nurses are getting laid off. Um, there are nurses, obviously, that are continuing to work, that are that are happy um, in certain instances. But I will say overarchingly, um, you know, I, I don't want to say, I'll just say it, like nurses um, and nursing in general um, is at the very bottom of the food chain. So, but we're the very most, not, well, the techs are the most powerful, but we as nurses have like this huge, you know, support network uh, for the doctors. We basically do yeah. the doctor's job. You know, yes. I mean, I love the doctors. I got a lot of good friends that are doctors, right? But without us, you know, we can't. They can't. The, 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 then the whole the, the whole uh, thing falls apart. Yeah. So you are seeing more psychiatric hospitals uh, closing. Um, you're seeing less nurses working, and yet everyone's like, "Oh, uh, you know, um, we need help," and. I guess what happened and what continues to happen is this kind of collaboration of wealth, you know? So the CEOs are still getting their big bonuses and they're still, you know, making six figures, 10 figures, whatever, you know? 
if we really want change, we're going to have to change the entire medical system. And that's what, back to the point, when I unplugged, Bernie Sanders was trying to do this whole socialized medicine thing. And everybody's like, oh, socialism. It's like, yeah, most of the planet is socialism, bro. You know? And then even some of these staunch Republicans, I'm not using the R word, you know, whatever, are saying, ah. Oh. And I'm like, dude, when's the last time you went to a public library? When's the last time yeah. you drove on a road? When's the last time you used your fire department? Like socialism is beautiful if done right. And and if we, I mean, if we look at the way that our society is now, it is, it, it there is a large amount of socialism. Absolutely. In a sense. And I think Michael described it on a podcast sometime, uh, you know, a month or six weeks or go, goes like, hey, we're, it's capitalism when we're successful. And then we demand socialism when we fail. Good point. Right. Like. And every company, it's like, oh, you got to bail us out because right. we we fucked up, we failed. And yeah, you should like, just you should just fail like the American, uh, you know, like Joe Blow. Yeah, you know, he goes out there, he's got his job, he's got his house, he got his all his stuff. And next thing you know, he's like, uh, go bankrupt. No one's bailing him out. Nope. No. And that's the whole point. It's like this twelve hundred dollar check was just kind of like a band aid, man. She's oh, not even, and it didn't you know, even cover. It, there was there it's, was it's a joke, dude. That's a total joke. I took it. And I actually spent it intentionally on something that I didn't need. Yeah. It's like, I'm buying New Wing. I, um, That's Donald Trump's money. I'm buying New Wing. Yeah, so. I, I spent $1,200 <laughs> on bullets, actually. <laughs> because, you know, and yeah. I don't want to say I don't need them. So back to that point, bullets <laughs> and, and, and seeds, it was, we elucidated the fact that it was like, well, I want to be able to hunt my own meat mm -hmm. was one. And, you know, if anarchy does happen and chaos does happen, I got people trying to take from me with, you know, with, with arms. Yeah. Then I'm going to protect my friends, my family, and my seeds and my deer that I killed. And then, and really what was interesting about this whole thing was like people got kind of rocked down to their primordial core, which I actually relished. I, I think it's. And it's still happening. I think it's a it's it is absolutely a good experience. Oh, it's still happening it, too. for people to like. Oh, now I have a different test in front of me, which gives which um, shines the light on things that I didn't think were important. Yeah, you know, huge in and, huge. And, and, yeah. and I think this is a and and just to be exposed to that idea. I mean, yeah. I and, and I don't know what the exact numbers are now. Um. But there was a point there sort of, I think it might have been mid-May-ish, where sometime between, you know, bef uh, when coronavirus became a thing, let's yeah. just, and then we'll just go mid-February, whatever. Sure. But something like 4 million new, uh, fire, new firearm sales in that right. time. Right. And like, okay, so people are thinking social unrest, they're, you know, for to, to whatever degree. Sure. Like, ah, oh, someone's going to try and take my stuff. Or, yeah, totally. or it's, you know, or it's, um, okay, there's, maybe they're coming at me with a little too much power. Right. And maybe, you know, me and my friends, we're going to have a little block party, right. you know, or whatever. In, in, in that regard, simultaneously, I mean, the great news, you know, okay, if you're the government and you're worried about people, ex, you know, A, expressing their Second Amendment rights to own firearms, but maybe then to um, turn them in a direction that, the you know, that people would, would find uh, inconvenient for them. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, what's the best way to counter circumvent that? Well, don't allow them to learn how to use those firearms that they just purchased. So shut down all the fucking ranges mm. where people might go to practice on their own, to seek instruction, et cetera, because safety, because because virus, because sure. we can't have people sure. you know, in close proximity here. Sure. But you also control the, you know, in, in a sense, their behavior. And um, I mean, I got, I, I got multiple tinfoil hats, so I mean, I can go down this. No, those this are good rabbit holes, man. Whatever. It's to me, it's always you know, it's there's good... this old idea of the four boxes, yeah, which is the soapbox where the politician, you know, shouts about the shit that they're going to do for you, <laughs> and there's the ballot box where you get to vote. Ooh, there's the jury box Ooh. where if you find yourself on the wrong side of those politicians that you um, will be judged by, you know, 12 of your peers should, right. you know, they'd be able to convince 12 of your peers to right. get on the jury. Right. Um, and then there's the last one, which is the cartridge boxes, which is when shit doesn't work out. Mm-hmm. And I, like it. Um, I, I see, you know, hey, when there was a single tyrant, that's an easy, you know, that's an easy guillotine candidate right there. But the decentralized power structure right now, I believe, is intentional in some way. Mm-hmm. It's like you can't identify. There are too many heads to cut off. Mm-hmm. And therefore, you know, no matter what we, we can freely you know, assemble, we can freely speak. We can do any number of things, but it doesn't. Like I, some days when I get depressed, I just realize, okay, yeah, it doesn't fucking matter. Because it hadn't gone far enough. Potentially. I mean, imagine. It hadn't gone far enough. I mean, we yeah. know, we know that. I mean, it just hasn't. We just haven't stormed the White House. And we just haven't stormed. You know, we haven't had a revolution like they did back in the day. You know, exactly. It, but it, I, but I think the decentralization we, is I, I mean, is the is the shield, the thing that kind of prevents it. No, I, I agree like, with you. But I think tentacles and no, and, I agree with you. But I think if the forces of humanity, which we outnumber them. As Jim Morrison said, five to one. Yeah. Then here we go. Like, you know, once we have to take that on, if it was a real thing, then it would be unstoppable. I mean, countries have and people have. I mean, look at the yeah. the, the 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 Egyptian Spring, you know, or the the Arab Spring. Arab Spring. Yeah. I mean, gosh, who would have who would imagine that? Like, we have to think that it's possible, and I actually do think it is. I just don't think we're ready. You know, and I did, and and the, the you know part of what I've been sort of and counseling myself way. and some others the same way is be patient, yeah, because the target has not yet shown itself, yeah. Like we have these the, these things, and it's and if we if I go back I don't to this know. idea, I think the target's pretty obvious, you know, but possibly, but there's <laughs> but not no, an, but, but you're there's right. but there's not an organized, um. Like like the, the the downfall of the people, outnumbering five to one, you know whatever it is, yeah. um, is a lack of organization. True, and True. and and that is like okay, so yes, if we could orient this engine mm-hmm. in a unified direction, yeah, intending upon an agreed upon outcome, outcome, yeah, yes, unstoppable. Mm-hmm. I mean, if the 
point of the zines, you know, if we say, like, it's, it's right there, yeah, Ray's yeah. a fist fight with human nature. Right. Okay, so this is, and, you know, you start to see, I mean, I'm kind of curious about the, um, you know, the, the, the Capitol Hill organized protest or, you know, autonomous zone, whatever you want to call it, in Seattle as an experiment because, you know, let's let's see where with where human consciousness is today, mm-hmm. a, a, you know, a, 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 a small, and I just mean, you know, six square blocks, you know, it's not that big a, big a thing, but like a social experiment of that kind, mm-hmm. like where is it today? 10 years ago, it would have been different. 10 years ago, it's, it's, it's Occupy, yeah. let's say, right? Because that's yeah. what, 2011? That was good. That was okay. good. So where are we now in relation good. to that? So that, that fell down. So Occupy fell down. Yeah. Arab Spring kind of fell down. Yeah. I mean, in, in, in that documentary, the, the hypernormalization, it talks about like, hey, these were, these were you know, movements of the people, by, you know, by the people, for the people, um, and it didn't turn out that great for them. Right. Right, because what happened? Okay, somebody put their foot down someday, and like you got two hours to leave the fucking park. Yeah, and then they came in. They're all going to jail. And, yeah, and yeah. and then it went away, you know. And then yeah. okay, crackdown in in the various Arab countries where yes, there there was more. Um, there was a greater effect on the part of the uprising in terms of you know changes, etc. Yeah. But ultimately, you know, the, the the still the equivalent is. You got two hours to fucking shut your mouths, you know, <laughs> over coming in, yeah, you know, yeah. with our disparity of power, right? And and that and, goes back to Second Amendment too, you know. That goes back to being able to print weapons off a three D printer. You know, I had a good friend of mine that was behind that movement, and I was a little skeptical. And then I'm now looking at it, going, "Oh wow, you can print basically any weapon." with a 3d printer right now and just print it right off and use it as you want. And I used to think, Oh, this is why we're having all these mass shootings. And I'm like, no, this is not, this is why, you know, when this world starts to evolve in this direction, and I honestly don't really digest and or interact much with that world. I'm so much disconnected from, because I ultimately believe and ultimately think just as Martin Luther King or Gandhi or whoever, man, like, you know, none of this is, you know, it's, it's not rewriting the playbook. And the playbook is peace wins, man. Yep. Peace wins. Love wins. And I'm not, I'm sitting over here in my tie dye. Yeah. And my long hair. And I live in a van. And, uh, you know, the hippies are still alive and well. And I'm here to say that, like, honestly, when you really look at really what matters, man, it's not what politics you got. It's not what power you have. It's not how much money you got. It's not more riots. All that stuff, man, It's all that's all just some of it's ego. And, yes, there's an imbalance. And, yes, somebody got killed. And that is horrible. All those things are human nature and horrible. But, man, if we could just, yeah, I don't know. I mean, try to live together like peacefully like get peace of chance is that corny or what that's uh, so so 40 so, years ago so 1969 or, yeah right? i was gonna say that was 50 years however yeah let me it, say though it, it, how apropos yes the thing that i that, that i you know the caveat to this to this the concept which i do not disbelieve um that peace wins 
that love wins is that it only wins when those are backed, when there's a spine. Sure. Right? When, hey, look, this is the discussion we're having that, that we want to have right. is about peaceful resolution. Right. Is about love and empathy between us. Right. We were all from the same stardust, man. Yes. And we all have the same needs. Absolutely. Apparently some need more than others. <laughs> you know, hence they're making zeros. But but um but I, I, I say that look, the that the, these ideas will not be respected by people in power unless they can be backed up. Agreed. And and that is like so one of the things that was going on or potentially, you know, okay, my idealistic sense of this, because I start, had a, started a conversation with a friend of mine who's, um, he, he, he's an artist and he has been involved in that Capitol Hill scene for a long time. And he's, he had been recently living outside of Seattle in the country, but when he saw what was going on, he fucking went and goes, this is where it's happening. Right. I need to be there. And, right. and so we started this conversation. I said, Hey dude, tell me what's going on in, in, in there. And, Went back and forth for for a little bit. That was that was last week, and I haven't hit him up this week. Um, but one of the things he's just like, "Hey, yeah, the John Brown Society. You know, there there are people in here. There there are people in here who are very well armed. But we also realize that they are trying to bait us mm-hmm. so that the so that it will be okay, mm-hmm. absolutely, for the authorities to of come course. in in a violent way. But as long as we are." you know, not allowing ourselves to be baited as long as they know that we can mount a costly defense. Sure. Um, then they will be willing to talk with us. Yeah, that's true. And so we can talk about peace. We can talk about empathy. We can talk about causing, you know, these changes that we Mm -hmm. would like to see, but that will not be respected unless we have, you know, some spine to the the spine to, you know, the organization, like 16 or 18 or 20 inch barrel. Right. Running up our, you know, and down. Right, but I mean, but what about the picture of the guy putting the, the flower in the barrel, right? Or what yeah. About, or what yeah, about back that? in the day. What yeah. about the guy in Tiananmen Square, the one guy in the tank? Yeah. Right? I mean, and, but so what, I'm just, I'm just, I'm throwing a wrench in the whole thing. Like I'm just saying, like. And what, what about the girl who went and like handed flowers to the National Guardsman and then got yeah. fucking beat down by the cops? Yeah, there you go. Because, like there I go, go, okay, that's our, that is the reality yeah, that we are well, living in right now. Right. And. No, I'm, I'm with I mean, you, man. Where that changes, and you see that speech by that police union cocksucker in New York talking about, you know, people are disrespecting, you know, this, that, and the other thing, and I'm proud of this. And I'm just like, yeah. if that's what you're proud of, you need to not have that job. Yeah, and you probably don't need to even be a human. You know, like when I'm like shaking out all the news and I'm shaking yeah. out all the stories and I'm shaking out all the politics and I'm shaking out all the riots and I'm shaking everything through this sieve that I have to like live my life by. Yeah. It's just me, you know, and I just, I have to, I have to live with me. I have to wake up every morning yep. and deal with me. I, I can't really deal with all these other issues other than the fact that like what sieves out is like, there's going to be a lot of people that aren't awakened to, compassion to and a lot of people that haven't gone through suffering and a lot of people that haven't gone through pain and a lot of people that haven't helped people yeah and a lot of people that are really not even aware of their mortality so personally i think that from a mental health standpoint and as a psychiatric nurse and as a person of the world i think that what i'm seeing is more and more people, especially in those difficult situations that you just explained, people that 
have positions of power, but definitely don't have the consciousness to be able to have that power. And that seems to be the generalization of what's happening. And that is the problem. And I don't think we're going to fix that problem, but at least we can be aware of it and have compassion for those people. Yeah. Have compassion for those cops that beat those people down and be like, dude, like, who are you? You know? And why was that a necessary, like, why was that a, um, the appro- why in your mind was that the appropriate expression of the power that you you hold right. at that time of pushing the guy down, pushing the girl down, clubbing the girl, you know, like I mean, it's every, just every, like nonstop but fucking. But everybody gets mixed up in the mob scene, right? Yeah. Like, like if I rolled out into a riot in the mob scene, I'd be right in there. It's mob mentality, Oh, right? yeah. And, so the, it's and that energy, social, you can't you shield can't. yourself from it. You, no. you can't help but be caught right. in it. So. And so every, then everybody is playing yeah. their perceived role. Right. So for me, like when I look at things, I look at back to like, okay, what is this doing to like our old brain? Like how does our old brain, like I... I always, and it seems to to kind of uh, um, always come up in conversation for me. I always look at whatever circumstance I'm having, and especially extreme circumstances, is what is the yes. old brain telling me to do? And and what am I? What am I? Um, vol- what situation? What activity am I put? You know, situation am I putting myself in in hopes of causing? a particular reaction in that old brain right? so that I can look at it, identify it, parse it, dissect it, right. you know, in a way that leads me towards a greater understanding of self. Right. And my feeling is that like, okay, when we voluntarily put ourselves in those situations, we have the, and then, you know, maybe if we're introspective or a self-examiner by nature, those situations are going to produce a, a, you know, in the downtime that we prescribe ourselves afterwards that gives us time to assimilate. And if we were talking, let's say, okay, like I had this incredible experience, you know, in this high risk activity or this confrontation with mortality. And that could be the same thing as certain plant medicines. Like, okay, what happens, the important part of it is not that experience. It's the assimilation afterwards. Yeah. And it's, it's the integration. And I don't think those in power um, I think they rarely allow them that opportunity to assimilate, to integrate, you know, the lessons they may have learned from this experience, either because the nature of the job where they keep putting pushed back, pushed back into, you know, like, hey, you're going back to the front, you're going back yeah, to the front cool. lines, you're, you're out there, and then you're carried away in this whole thing, and it's like us versus them, yeah. and... and it's duty, you know, it's the, the duty and being part of some something bigger, right? So they're part of their... You know, they're brethren, they're blue brothers, right? Yeah. So they've got their duty to that. And it's, you know, it's a big club, you know, same thing as I got with nurses, you know, it's a yeah. big club, same thing with, you know, with, with, with whatever you're doing. So you get the sense <laughs> of community, it's the same right? Thing with politicians. Right. So it's just like, there's a sense of community. If we can kind of get these smaller communities together, whether it's, you know, the cops and uh, African-Americans and whatever, like if we can get our communities together, because really innately i think we all just crave i know i do that sense of community that sense of purpose so if you have riots in the streets same reason your guy was like i'm going down there yeah sense of purpose yep. and it's the same reason that i didn't go i was like that's not my purpose yeah you know and it's like as long as you stay true to your purpose and you're not doing any harm and you're trying to help other people live their best lives um because they're all so infinitely small and short yes and 
sometimes I just feel like it's really just even all this chaos is frivolous. It's really, if you looked at an anthill and you just kind of stirred it up from space, you're like, oh, look at all these ants. We're just going to stir it up and pour some beer on it and stir it up. Like all the politics that we do, all the stuff that we're raising hell about, I know it means something and everything to everyone, but really in the big scheme of things, Earth's going to keep rolling around. The sun's going to come up and go down. The birds are going to keep migrating. The whales are going to keep singing. We just need to learn to chill the fuck out. I mean, no shit. I don't know. I just, maybe I've had too many beers. Speaking of, um, I need to, I'm going to go pee, but we're going to continue. Okay. I don't don't want, I don't want the conversation to stop, like stop on a cuss word. Stop because my bladder is, you know, we can, we can kind of, we can come back and wrap it up. No, we don't need to wrap it up. Okay. I mean, you know, it's been, we've been going almost two hours and I feel like we're, like getting somewhere. Yeah. All We're right. going to get to the good stuff. So cool, man. Pour yourself another one. <laughs> My pleasure. And you do this all the time. So it's super fun. And I'm really, I don't know, maybe we're still recording. It doesn't really matter. We are. That's fine. And okay. I just don't have my <laughs> headphones on. So I feel, okay. feel all weird. Yeah, but yeah. um, I guess what I was going to say is uh, I had this thought when we went to the bathroom. The, a really good one. It was like basically, I guess that's where some of the best thoughts are actually. <laughs> but it was like, you know what? Or to quote that fellow in Repo Man, I do my best thinking on the bus. I like it. <laughs> I like it. So I was like, oh, wow. So, you know, Mark Twight, extreme alpinist, and also, you know, taking things to an extreme of like discussions and like, you know, We've been going for a couple hours, but like we're not done yet. And like that's what yeah. it takes. And like I think the whole point of what I was thinking of was like that that says a lot about the kind of people that do the stuff that we do, is that we take the time to kind of dissect these things. It takes time to dissect a mountain. It takes time to start yes. dissect like weather patterns. I mean, and it also takes time to dissect like a the, huge social problem that we have right now. And you know and the or a small social problem right. of like who are you who are you tying to some in stranger for two hours no I, mean, I, I never met you you know but we're having a fantastic time and it's like like i was telling you earlier my friend's like how do you know mark twat i was like i don't but i do yeah you know i mean we're we're of the you know we're the same mold man just different people and when you know when we first started talking via you know the social media i was just like i recognize this guy right like i see the spirit i, I right. sense that spirit and um, and something that came up with a podcast we just posted one episode one twenty one um, with Thurk, where he says I, I'm going to have to completely disagree, and my response was, <laughs> well then we can have a conversation exactly, and I think this is something that's missing in a way right now is like it, that I think people don't recognize is that that a lot of these things like you whether it's base or climbing. Um, oh, you just walk up to the exit and you go. And it's like, no, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, there was a decade that led up to that particular exit. Or there was, like, and people go, oh, yeah, you climbed the Slovak Direct in 60 hours nonstop. And I said, no, it was 20 years plus 60 hours. Exactly. It's like, and I think it's the same way with with conversation is, yeah, 15 minutes, I can be whoever the fuck I want to be. Right. 
Yeah, and I think that that <laughs> resonates too when people say certain things about certain things that you do or I do or other people do. They'll say whatever they want to say, and I'm like, man, I've been training this for this, and and this goes to COVID, and this also goes to some of the the latest kind of speed flying I've been doing is like people say something, and I'm like, I've been training for this my whole life. Yeah, you know, and like you said, I mean, for me, my life, you know, as a psychiatric nurse, intertwines with a lot of the mental training that I do, which intertwines with a lot of stuff that I do on the outside, and also all the internal work. So, um, you know, and, and really just to wash it all down, we're just, you know, um, uh, you know, coming into this podcast, I was like, what, what do I want to gain out of it? Or what, how do I want to, what do I want to say? I mean, and really it's just, I just want to help, you know, and and it's not, it's not, and that's the thing. I mean, I'm here as just a human who've been gifted this incredible life and have lived in America where I, you know, was you know, in a blue collar family. And, and I'm, 90% of the planet hasn't made a phone call or taken a shower, or has running water. And, you know, it's like, what do I have to say? And how am I going to do it? And it kind of goes back to what you're saying. Like, I've spent my whole life trying to help. And what is it? What's happened? You know? And, this goes back to being a teacher and also in, especially in psychiatric medicine, because I work with so many sick people and we discharge people all the time. And I'm like, I didn't help anyone today. Right. And then like a month or two later, you see who you discharge, maybe walking down the street and they're living their normal life. And they just walk up to you and they say, they may even said the exact same thing you said to them to inspire them. Right. And it was just that you, you have no idea who you've affected. And if I can affect one person, you know, and and that's it. And so I've, you know, obviously... I guess I'm getting greedy. Yeah. yeah. In a sense, like I want to yeah. affect more And people, that's okay. Like, and that's where I, that's could, where your power is, you know, for sure. Like twitching was definitely, and your, your voice in climbing for so long was definitely resonated with lots of people and still does. And here you are on this podcast airing out to thousands millions who knows i think we have five listeners we joke about it. i don't know i don't know i don't look at the stats you know of the downloads or whatever because people yeah. are like hey do you, do you and you're doing you, it because you want to help yes see that's that's the difference and i think i hate to say it but i wouldn't have probably felt this way 20 years ago but you know like i i I've, was i'm kind of getting into my skin now at 47 and i'm like you know what yes. I, I possibly do have something to 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 chime in on I think you do. Yeah, I think we all do. Yeah. And even a 25-year-old or a 19-year-old or even even better is, you know, the kids, man. You know? Like, the, we're kind of taking it on a different esoterical tangent right now. But, like, one of my really uh, good friends, uh, Tobias, uh, he put out a wonderful book. I want to uh, show it to you. Uh, he has this, like, interwoven uh, storyboard looking through the eyes of children and I personally don't have kids so that's why I love his book because mm -hmm. it allows me to see that joy and see that hope and see that beautiful things I mean just this, just the simplicity of the beautiful things that children bring to our lives um, before we fuck them up uh, we fuck them up uh, oh, and or we get fucked up whatever Yeah, but as long as you can just like 
and I've been told I have Peter Pan syndrome really bad. So that's actually a technical psychological disadvantage. Um, I actually probably could get some sort of uh, disability for it. Cause okay. Because I, I continually act like Peter Pan. Yeah. Just don't want to grow up. Yeah. And here we and, are. And I, I mean, it's it's funny because like oh, the Peter Pan syndrome, and you go well, like that's and, kind of probably overused. And, I just I just found out about it. But it's funny because. <laughs> What else because is there? some folks would look at that and what else is there exactly what play I mean, dude. why is it a fucking play, problem play because play what? is the answer to so many of the problems that so people much. have yeah and it's something in the fitness space that yeah. um that we figured out yeah. at a certain point was Absolutely. like man if it's drudgery if you consider it just like a pain in the ass well you're not going to do it no and so have if fun. we set the you know the circumstances up so they're they are more playful yeah. not only physically but in a psychological sense yeah then th- then progress can actually be made right like and 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 a lot of some people Michael, some people like that drudgery i sure. will i will add but i would say that most people don't and i i think you're really hitting a topic of exercise science that uh you know it, it's definitely it's more of a psychological balance of what gives you joy i mean i i was a personal trainer for a while and mm-hmm. i saw a lot of gains when i was working with couples and they would do the couples workouts together okay you know one would do a push-up on each other's back or whatever yeah and like once you started interacting them in a playful way and it wasn't a workout man they'd go for you know forever and never get tired but once you say all right we're doing wind sprints and we're doing deadlifts and doing this and like oh once it's over looking at the clock and then you set up the conditions where like yeah we're gonna do this thing it's gonna be really hard yeah well you've just made it 15 to 20 percent harder by saying it is so you've set up a psychological anchor that they are going to carry a particular mental condition into that you know event or whatever and and sometimes, yeah, that's a useful tool but I mean if Michael and I have been successful training others it's because of our, I mean, we we say that we're sociopaths in a way, and just you know, the the more accurate thing might be, look, I'm chameleon. I can, I can become what is appropriate for this particular individual. So you're what, an is, what is needed, and yes, I mean that's the opposite of a sociopath. I mean, you're you're talking like you're gonna go. You're no, talking be, be, to somebody that knows the definition okay. of both. And and so from a sociopath and empath, that's like that's a huge spectrum, man. And, and I realize when we say sociopath that like we that. are misusing the accurate definition. No, maybe not. But it's like if I say that, I mean, look, I've just been training, you know, and the, the way that I would, ex- you know, the, the easiest thing. To, to, to explain it's like okay I'm training you know one of these actors I'm just I'm with Jason we're broing down for two hours yeah, or whatever which you've done and, really well with it's been awesome I mean we he and I resonate because yeah. and that whole 300 thing you did this is a total tangent but man that that was awesome dude that that really that was thank you that was that was rad it, it and it was because I mean both of those relationships or both those situations came about because of Zack Snyder and and the relationship that he and I had before I worked on 300 that when he was shooting commercials we had a had a had a relationship that we had a friendship we had and and the the reason that those outcomes were the way they were is because of the enormous respect that I have for him yeah because that I would do the the, the last you know look I said I would do it that's yeah. one thing and I try not to you know let anyone down and i was just like i would never let that man down yeah like i would 
Right. And, you know, that's that's kind of like, and did sacrifice my own health because of what I said I would do for him because of the enormous respect that I have. And to resolve, like to figure out, okay, like this is fucked for me. This is an uncomfortable situation, but I need to figure it out because of the commitment that I made to another man. And I think that that is like, I look at that now and I realize that I couldn't be here. I couldn't be who I am had I not had those relationships, had I not understood what commitment meant. When, right. Like, look, I will hold the rope as it's going through my hands. I was thinking it, the same thing. Every, all like, this, when the whole time I was like, that's, that's climbing partnership. Yes. And that's, that's where, that's where it is. And that's where so much of how I mean, my life is comes right. from. But man, I mean, I, there's not, I mean, even with paragliding, speed flying, base jumping, all that stuff, there's nothing more profound than holding the rope to another human soul. And and there's really, I don't think there is anything like it. And to me, for me, like the big, I used to, you know, I went through, when I first started climbing, I didn't understand what the rope signified, what it meant. Yeah. Then I went soloing for, I don't know, first big roots were, yeah, for about a 10-year period. That That's how I, my experience yep. was that. Right. I didn't learn uh, what the rope meant until I came, like I came back from soloing. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I realized, because I had had the confrontations with mortality. I had understood how fragile life was, what it means to take responsibility for another human Huge. being. If it's just me, yeah. like who gives a, you know, like I'm not going to know. That's sociopathic. Okay. And that's, I, that's good. And that's where it's at. But yeah, I mean, when you, when you start tying into other people, you know, that's that's where the magic starts. And, I totally agree. And, and you have to kind of go, not you, but people maybe. I, I can only speak from my experience because I've just Cause had my life, right? Yeah. But that's been my relationship with climbing too. I don't get into climbing unless I'm actually happy with the people I'm climbing with. I haven't climbed in over a year. Um, before that, I was climbing all the time because yeah. I was with a crew of people that I enjoyed and whatever. And as that kind of fizzled out, I was into something else. So it was yeah. like, I'm not going to go seek it, but if it happens, it ha- definitely has a relationship. And if I go to Yosemite right now and all my friends and my family in El Portal, big shout out to all you guys. If I rolled in there, I would just, I would just get right back on the rope. Yeah. But you know, it's just, uh, it has this unique aspect, especially when you've been doing it for a long time. And it just has this unique aspect of, of of just uh of obviously you know the main word is trust but um it but there's but it, but there more. is also an empathy like there is there is communication there is energetic communication going up and down the rope good point i mean and good point like it, yeah. some you know yeah i mean been, yeah i get that been, been times you know in the past years when people are like hey do you ever think about going back you know going going climbing or whatever and there's like i can count the people that I would tie in with right exactly. now. Exactly. When's the last Probably, time you went climbing? Fuck, I don't know. I mean, like I got, honestly, the la- like 
the last, I haven't been outside in a while, but the last times, and this is one of the reasons that Jason and I get along so well, is he basically, like I hadn't climbed for, you know, four or five years. Right. Whatever. We end up on this, on the Batman versus Superman movie. We're in Michigan. Right. He goes to the, 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 the uh, Planet Rock out, in, you know, in Pontiac um, because, you know, that's the, the gym that he knew of, but yeah. Nick had, you know, basically shut it down to build this new other new space. So he had like a new gym. He, he, he shamed me into going into the rock gym <laughs> and said, come on, bro. You know I mean? Just like, and, and then Nick, um, uh, in his new space, he's like, yeah, we're not open to the public yet. Cause we're still working inside, but if you guys want to come in and so to, to have like a, one of the most modern, incredible rock gyms at your disposal that's not open to the public. Fine. He's just like, hey, whenever we're in here working, come in. And I'm just like, fuck. We rented a drone. We flew, you know, had some people come fly it around and like shot all this footage. Super fun. It was like, it was so fucking cool. Right. Like, I will tie in with Jason. Yeah. I will tie in with my friend Brittany Griffith. There you go. I would tie in with Scott. There you go. Barry, yes. I know Brittany and I have a few friends in common. Like yeah. I'm kind of running out of fingers. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of the same you way. Know, like I, I haven't like, climbed in like over a year, and I actually didn't really know. Like uh, I kind of took a, a a big fall last year and kind of rocked my world. Um, that's a whole another story. Um, but I just recently came through New Mexico, and my uh-huh. good friendy uh, buddy Dan, uh, and he's like, "Oh, we're gonna go up to Cuesta Dome, man. It's a I roll in literally yeah. like midnight. I wake up next morning like eight o'clock. I'm like, hey man, what's up? And I'm like rubbing my eyes, you know. I, was yeah. like, I just drove drove like twelve hours. He's like, oh, we're gonna go to Cuesta Dome. I was like, oh, what's that? He's like, oh man, you got to get on Cuesta Balance. I was like, dude, I hadn't climbed in like over a year. He's, where what's on, where in New Mexico? This is like, is north this... of Taos. Okay, so and, nice. he, and, and again, he's been yeah. a climbing partner from with me since like the early nineties. I taught him how to climb. Now he's like this awesome climbing guide, you know. The master teaches the yep. teacher, right? And Absolutely. I'm like, man, I hadn't been on rope in a year. And he goes, I got to show you this route. I hadn't been on rope in a year. And it's like this six-pitch, 5'11 plus thing, right? <laughs> and I'm like, man, I don't know. Welcome I, back. Yeah, dude. And I was like, you're leading all the pitches, right? Which is one of the most glorious things that can happen, like yeah. your first day back. I mean, you get I to- showed him how to put hexes in in like 91. And he's putting in these tiny micros on 11 plus R. And just super slab dino into these tiny yeah. little crystals and stuff. And just, he has this thing flawlessly. It's art, dude. He just, you know, every pitch. And I pulled on the rope like twice. Like I was like, I can't figure out this move, dude. I cannot yeah. smear that 11C slab. Shit ain't working. Uh-uh. <laughs> he had it on lockdown. And my whole point was, that was an amazing climb with an old friend, old climbing partner, fantastic outing and that was the last time i climbed and that was uh what may late may but you know and that that was that was amazing and then just to be like oh i i kind of know how to do this i mean i mean yeah i pulled on the rope twice but i did pretty good but what it doesn't you know but it's it's all about the experience it's about the experience yeah and and that's the thing when you start climbing a long time it's not about the numbers man and i I really appreciate that with some of your articles you're like yeah, you're sitting around, you know, flexing about your nice new 12A, but like, let's like let's let's look beyond that. And I know that has a lot to do with self discovery, but but like, it is a it's and I, and I think the the thing about it and and, and having been around in the gym, uh, you know, the physical fitness space for a long time, 
I realized, you know, let's just say the numbers on the barbell or the dumbbells or the kettlebell, whatever, are the same as the numbers on the climb. Okay, we're using these things. Okay, first of all, the number or the grade of a climb gives us an idea of what to expect. Sure. Right? So there's that. But then it also becomes a numerical, some system of measurement. Sure. That allows us to gauge our own progress against an otherwise sort of unknown thing. Good point. Like if you went into a gym and there were no numbers on anything, you wouldn't, like, and you tried to base... Because, look, I can look at a, a rubber bumper plate yeah. versus a steel plate. They might weigh the same. They don't look like it. If I'm trying to understand the weight based on appearance. Sure. But I was, or I'm trying to understand the difficulty of a climb based on appearance. Okay, that's a completely different thing. If there's this number designation, then it in, in it gives us a prejudice about the experience we're about to have. Absolutely. Um, which can be good or bad. Hence the reason your best friends never told you how hard the roots were before they put you on them. Exactly. They're like, I don't know how hard that is. It's like, I think you can do it, Mark. Yeah. And you're like, and you send it. And you came down and you're like, dude, that was how hard? Yeah. And then I'm either going to pat myself on the back or I'm going to go, dude, it was 5'6". <laughs> you know, or whatever. Just like, like he said to you, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The old sandbag thing. I mean, yeah. I mean, so there's a, yeah. there, there is a little bit of a sandbag component, but but you look at these numbers and then ultimately what, those are sort of touch points, reference points, some way of of organizing our brain in relation to the experience, um, but they are not the experience. Right. And when we start to use the number to identify the experience, we become more disassociated from it. Right. No, no, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Everybody's like, why don't you climb? It's like, I don't have anybody to climb with, you know? Oh, this great route or this and that. And it's like, I I need the experience too in my life right now. It's like yeah. I don't crave numbers. I don't crave things. I crave experiences with really close friends and so there's a and or social really aspect. There of it. is, but really, it's been because of this whole Corona thing. I've been doing a lot of stuff alone, like to the creepy ends, to where people invite me. And I'm like, no, I'm going to do my own thing. And it's like, you know, I think there's a balance there where you start to realize like. You know, you have to have this self-awareness of uh, whether it's climbing or socializing. That you know, you have to kind of have that balance. But you also have to be true to yourself. And and once you once you start being true to yourself, I'm like everybody's going to go do that, and you're going to go hiking around out in the ochres by yourself. And everybody's like, "What are you doing out there? There's nothing out there." And I'm like, "That's the point. Yeah, no one's out here." And and like I said yesterday, or typed yesterday, I was just like, yeah, the ochres, it's not Los Angeles, you know? It's yeah. not what the Wasatch has become, yeah. where and you, you can't find a place of solitude, essentially, because it is yeah. the front, it's the, it's just full on front yeah. country. You got to yeah. go to the Uintas, um, or, but the ochres, like, especially that side, or you go even further towards Nevada, then now we're getting into like, okay, you can lose yourself out here. Yeah. You can like lose slash find yeah, yourself. It, it's pretty incredible. Like, uh, I drove into Salt Lake a couple of years ago and I went to the REI, literally my first hour in Salt Lake yeah. ever in my life. I drove into the REI. I think I was getting some ski stuff and I pulled into the parking lot and I remember looking left and looking right at the REI and I walked inside and first thing I asked the guy who was helping with ski stuff, was like, what's that stuff to the left over there? And he's like, what are you talking about? It's like, oh, those big, snowy mountain range over there he's like 
I don't know what you're talking about, you know? And 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 <laughs> literally, like, for me, and then I just, just like, for, I don't know why, but I've been going out there for years, for probably since I've been lurking around here for about three or four years. And uh, that's where I hang out in the winter, and that's where I hang out in the summer, and uh, I don't really see many people. And I do kind of play around, you know, here. Yeah. And I do love the Wasatch for what it has. Yeah. But, Which I, is but back to that whole thing of like, you know, what makes you tick. Um, I don't do cities very well, you know, and uh, I see people, I see lots of people walking up and down the streets here. I see lots of people having fun and that's okay. But for some reason, I resonate more or connect more, not with the city hive vibe, but with more of a, like, I really like, like here in the Meadowlarks every morning. I'm kind of curious about that. Just be, so when I think about the city, I think about, okay, predominantly shallow relationships. I don't see you as seeking something like that, that, okay, you go to horseshoe, let's say. So you immediately, you go to a sub, you like in the subculture and then you're going to tr- probably identify within that because this is, you know, how we are as human beings and we can, okay, so you're there, it's a flight, it's a, you know, it's, it's a flight zone. There are, so within that subculture of flight, there is, there are going to be different, um, d- different subdisciplines. You're going to find the one that resonates with you and that's going to, and then, and all of a sudden you've, you've established a point of connection, a deeper point of connection with a particular individual based on what they do. Yeah, sure. Like, like based on the subdiscipline that they're into. So if I like, okay, I, if I go to the Verdun or whatever, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not necessarily going to find my, you know, as an alpine climber, I wouldn't right. necessarily have found my people right. there. Yeah. But then talk a little bit and you realize like, okay, they're sport climbers. There's like, okay, and here's someone who's down here um, because the weather's shitty in the Alps. Yeah. Okay. Now we have like, I've identified the subdiscipline. Like, okay, now we're, com- here's someone and I'm not looking for an echo chamber necessarily, Sure. but I'm just like, okay, well we, there's a lot of, sh- of, um, it's sh- there's there's a a shortcut to deeper communication right. based on shared experience. And I think it just takes time because you just keep hitting that wall after you know after a lot of time you just keep going these different routes these different ways and um, you don't really get the the type of feedback that you think you deserve and or that you feel or you're seeking or you're seeking and once that kind of resonates and even if it's one or two people um, and that's yeah, and everybody's on their own journey, and and I actually have a lot of good close friends here in Salt Lake. But the 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 irony is, and it's possibly a detriment, is that I just as much as they're my good friends, I just I mean they have their house in Sugar House, yeah, you know, and they got their thing and their compound, and they're there, and it's like oh, so I roll in and I kind of plug in and plug out, but it's like. I'm meeting them on their terms, on their turf, in yeah. their territory, and that's cool. But around that territory is all these people and all these moving parts and all these cars. And just even driving in here, it's just I can hear the hum yeah. of humanity, which is awesome. But it, for me also, I've noticed, um, you know, maybe I'm a little different, but I get a little nervous. I get a little, uh, I get actually some mild anxiety. Okay. And um, 
and I'm good in traffic. I can wheel my van around no problem. Um, but I just get this like, okay, um, it's unpredictable. It's almost yeah. like this tribal thing. Like, all right, I don't know these people. Like, I'm in different territory here. <laughs> and when I'm like out in kind of no man's land, you know, um, that was part and has been part of my journey um, is the actual way of keeping my own sanity is to control my environment. Yeah. So if I'm in a city, I feel like I'm out of control. If I'm out, you know, in the ochres and I can see just like a sentinel mm-hmm. or just like, a you know, some. So my, my journey has been, uh, and like most people, you know, you have to find where you, you stick. And so for me, it's been uh, to kind of get to the root of, what it means to be you know, a nomad or a gypsy. And really it's, it's kind of for me to, to what makes me happy in this life right now is to be as true as I can to my primal self. So that means I actually consciously think about what it is to be primal. And that means like, you know, creating my own safety, creating my own structures, creating my own safety net. Um, when I'm in my van and it's raining out, I'm like, Oh, have a shelter like like basic number one imperative taking you know this sounds frivolous but man like every morning i wake up i usually try to do like 10 to 15 um like almost asanas but 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 gratitude take 10 things that i'm grateful for every single morning so tangent but a lot of people ask me they're like well how do you do it you know you're out there by yourself alone and you travel alone and you're alone a lot and uh and i I do relish human connectivity and i've had some incredible people in my life um and still do but uh i think that that resonance of gratitude if i wanted to share anything that made a difference for people especially mental health is that that gratitude and then put it in global text, you know, and again, like we talked a little bit about it, but it's like, you know, globally, like, what are we talking about? Like you're a human in the United States of America, right? Yeah. You're worried about your phone bill. Yeah. You might've got laid off. Yeah. Your wife might be cheating on you. Yes. Life sucks. Yeah. You have a drinking problem. I know all these things suck, but dude, you're not getting bombed at Baghdad. You're not starving in India. You're not stuck somewhere in some prison camp. You're not a member of a tribe that is, you know, Under, has, has, a, has another tribe that wants you to not exist. Right. And and actually, that would be a pretty good life. I mean, that personally, like, it, I, I think personally, like, you mentioned that. And I think those, the people that are living more close to what it means to be human are living these more pure lives. And I don't think necessarily, not to take that out of context, but I'm thinking in the more of the worldly aspects of all these pressures that we have to think about oh am i successful and how much money do i have and we're still human beings and all we really have to do is eat sleep and shit and take care of our own and we've created all these constructs that are all our own creation that that really have they do have value because they they are valuable Mm -hmm. but um when i I, you know, I, I try to self-talk a lot of people in mental health before discharge or when they come there, they're in the psychosis state. And really, it's all about a couple things. It's about breath, you know, 
trying to catch their breath. A lot of people are just so, I mean, just all over the place and their things are coming at them and they're hallucinating or whatever. And man, if you can just get people to breathe and connect to the life force of breath Uh and being alive, and I'm sitting next to you, you're here, you're alive, you're a human, what you're experiencing is horrible, but just connect to being a human there's a couple other tips, but, um, man, that's just, that's why I do what I do. It's because just, it's helpful, right? It's empathic. It, it just seems important. So, and life seems important. Let's, um, maybe that's a whiskey. Hey. It's also important, <laughs> which um, is probably one of the oldest drinks in the, on the planet. It could possibly be that would be a a, a Nick Laz question because when he came he came in and in one of those podcasts and just totally schooled us about the history of drink and I love he's like hanging out with him and understanding like the the value of human exchange influenced by or over the various spirits was like absolutely remarkable. I, Nick, you know, you're welcome. I'll <laughs> always, um, but I was, I, I want to, when you said like a sociopath versus empath, those are like op, not necessarily opposite into, into the spectrum, but they, they, there is a gulf between them. Let's say in the technical definition of those terms, I've been, I was having a discussion because I've never, I, I've never been confronted with the question of like, Hey, what are your politics? Sure. Right. Like, okay, I've got some issues. I vote and and um, whatever. And and uh, so a guy sent in this guy in uh, Jonathan, his name, and he sent an email, and I and I I answered it, and I, I kind of excoriated him in the beginning. On, the, on there was an episode of the podcast where I got, kind of went into his Uh-oh. what I thought was a misinformed, you know, blah blah blah. Yeah. Then we started this conversation. It's kind of shut down. Not sure if he's you know what what sort of happened, but we started this email exchange. After that, that was um, that was very eye-opening for me, instructional in a certain way. Um, There's only teachers, right? There are only teachers, exactly. And we can like put our cactus spines out, man. You know, to as I got defense. so many people that don't like me, but they're my teachers. But they're your teachers, yeah. yeah. And I think that if he and I sat down, I mean, for sure, if we sat down, we'd have a you know conversation, a, a very interesting mutually beneficial conversation, yeah. et cetera. But one of the things he came up with or he asked about it was he said like, Hey, you know, your podcast, you said something about this and that. And, and, and I wouldn't have taken, you know, I, I had, um, read his email, developed my character, sure. you know, that, that, okay, this is the person I'm addressing based on this email, right. which is always total bullshit. Yeah, you know, totally. it's never going to leave anywhere good. If right. like you're trying to build an entire human construct based on like one bit of text exchange. Okay. So that's not going to work, but we're going to do what we do is because we are also our own constructs. Right. In a way. And um, one of the things he, he asked about, he was just like, look, I, you said something about being, you know, uh, like, I don't know what an empathetic libertarian is, you know, or whatever. But like, I, I felt like compelling because he said, look, I'm a bit more of an anarcho-socialist or whatever. I had to look that up. Um, to be, I mean, basically, but <laughs> yeah. it is a thing, you know, yeah. like it's I'm OK. Sure. This is a particular point of view. It's not too different from what I believe in. Yeah, I bet not. 
um, that seems to resonate. It does. You know, yeah, it's just like those are two hand in hand. Fuck. I mean, you don't want you don't want centralized government. You don't want all this bullshit anarchy, right? But yeah. you want to take care of everybody. And, everybody and you want take, a little bit of a safety net, but you also yeah. want people to be motivated in some way. Yeah, you don't want to take care to, of everybody. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody has to have a role. So, tribalism, man. Like. You know, and not in the negative way. No, well, I don't even know what negative way that would be. I'm just talking about like when you have a sense of community mm-hmm. and you're brought up a certain way and there's rituals that bring you into manhood or womanhood and you have a sense of where you are in oh, the world. Oh, time out right there. Rituals that bring that make that help you make the transition from child to adult. Sure. Especially important for men because we don't have a physiologic transition point. Good point. Um, and I think those rites of passage are gotten, and, and this is something that uh, we had, I think we talked about when Jack Donovan was here and some that I've looked at for forever is like, I had to manufacture my own rite of yeah, passage me too, because it didn't exist. Right. And, and where Same it thing. was something that was integrated into the tribe, into right. the social circle back in the day. Right. And when, yeah. You swim out to sea until you can't swim anymore, and then you try and get back. Yeah, some motherfuckers ain't getting back. Right. Right? And then you're just like, well, okay. Well, not, and, to, and, not to make it dark, but, like, it does, it does, it is here, but we just, we, we didn't subscribe. Okay. And what do you think it is, well, like, the I mean, rite of passage come on, is man. now? Come on, man. It's, the, it's, it's what you wrote about in Twitching. It's the, it's the college degree and the 2.5 kids and the... But I don't. Th- but that's but, a. I that, don't think that's. That's not a test. That is a recipe. That's something you fall into. Uh, it's not something you I, confront. I get it. I get it. I guess I was trying to like right? bring it all back. But like the recipe that our. I, I that don't our, disagree with you. I think that that may be the surrogate, and we just misuse it. Well, I'm saying it. It, it doesn't necessarily. It doesn't have weight. You know. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Yes. The culture that we exist in is not your friend, you know, and that it basically has an idea for you to be part of the system. And again, this, this may sound conspiracistic or rage against machinist, whatever, but the idea is, you know, to create your own reality in which you can create your own dreams and your own life, um, without being told what to do. There is definitely this like, massive gap of like all right you're a kid you know and you you know you, you become a high school graduate and then you're supposed to go to college right and the first thing you're supposed to do is like get a good job get a wife get a house all those things and my point is is the culture has set up these touchstones that in a way are our rites of passage but they're not of our own creation and they're of our culture, but necessarily they don't necessarily touch into our, our sense of, you know, I mean, I guess we have a little bit of sense of responsibility because we have to provide for others to have this family, but that was never the case, you know, back in the day, it was like, Hey, you know, you're going to go, you know, learn how to bow hunt and you're going to go learn how to kill and you're going to learn how to be a warrior and you're going to how to do this and maybe you're not going to be a warrior maybe you're going to do this other thing and um you know the tribalism and the acceptance of that part of what it means to be human is pretty much evaporated so you had to create your own right yeah 
you went out and did, and you know, you pushed your own mortality as someone would strap on some crazy piece of bamboo and jump off a tower like they do in Borneo or whatever, yeah. right? Same thing I'm still doing, you know, is creating my own way of being that has my own pre-described like, oh, if you do this, then you can possibly do that. And once you start doing sports that can take your mortality, free soloing, I was doing that as a young age. It was like, mm-hmm. I already, so it was like, well, you know what? I'm old enough to make responsible and or irresponsible acts. And or irresponsible. Yeah. Right. And here yeah. I am. And that was some of the most empowering things I've ever done is to look at a big giant cliff and be like, well, I'm going up that. And it's because I've mastered my own craft. Now, if a hole breaks or I get attacked by a raven, so be it. Or I reach up to that hole and there's a fucking rattlesnake on that little ledge or whatever. But, but or, you know those it, things could happen yeah. and you know the end result. You're like, okay, so what is my... Uh, I, all I need is a third point of contact. I mean, <laughs> but... but the, the interest- and, and your headphones. Possibly. Too. And Come don't... On. Yeah. Did you, you, uh, no. You, you it, said we were going to talk about music. Yeah. And Actually, some of my best solos have been just jamming to tunes. And a lot of people are like, oh, you're disassociating from the experience. It's like, I don't know, man. Like... Not necessarily... So, so some, like... I don't know. It, I don't think what, so. What they I are love des- it. What they are describing is their relationship with music. Yeah, good point. Right. And... and I, I mean, it got to the, I mean, for me, get, get to the point like, okay, I'm making a playlist for a particular route. Right. Like I am using the music to steer my consciousness. It's not a disassociation. Absolutely. It's a deep association. That's like, a, um, it's, Absolutely. A, it, it, it's, it's, it's a way of, um, putting myself in the state of consciousness required by the task that I'm volunteering for. Just like a deep meditation or some sort of chanting. Yeah. Absolutely. Or like, okay, this is the song for this route. Therefore, I am going to record it on repeat onto this cassette tape. I like it. Which is also going into a cassette player, which has auto reverse. So there is no way right. that I am going to get away from John Lydon saying, this is what you want, this, this is, is what, what you get, get. Yeah. over and over and over and over and over to the point of almost like checking Wanted myself into out. a place where you're working. Absolutely. And, yeah, and the reason you didn't is because you had an outlet. Because there was an outlet. Yeah, and that's what I see a lot of people. But yeah, music as a way to channel energy is absolutely just or to, I mean, to channel, but also to, I think, to accumulate and reorient. Or it's a, it's a, it's it's a, I look at it as a way to, okay, I'm accumulating this energy and then I'm spending that, you know, aiming and then spending that energy on something. Oh, it's a deep, it's a deep, deep trance, you know? Yeah. I mean, when you're, when you're 2,000 feet up on a mountain and there's nobody up there but you and your music and, oh, the tape deck goes out. Yeah. Okay, that's a... Yeah. And that happens. Yeah. And, you know, that happens. And you're like, oh, shit, I'm stuck up in this 5-8 off with, and I'm breathing real heavy. <sighs> everything became, And that's all I hear. Everything became reality real quick. All that yeah. dead can dance is gone. It's all just you're breathing, and you're kind of sketching at this point, son. You better get your stuff together. Yes. That's fun. And it's, and it's steerable. 
in a way. Like I, one of the things when we were t- you were talking about like the the test, the rite of passage. I think um, the there's an uh, I had some in my my head there that I want to like trying to explore maybe is to say that, look I I think the um, what has happened is we don't have this um, let's say the rite of passage and I get go through it and then I become I I become a blank slate again okay because I've transitioned into a new level of membership within the tribe within society within my little group and what I see so and, and therefore once I transition to that new state I feel like anything can be possible that doesn't exist now. I think what has been set up or come to pass naturally by our own behavior as human beings is these paths of temptation, these paths of like, oh, if I have this, then I am this. If I do this, then I am this. If I look like this, I am this. Good point, yeah. And... It's a completely different path. It's a completely different path, yeah. which also require. There is no testing required mm. in a way. There's no, there's no confrontation with self. It's just okay. It's it's and at, and kind of no consequence. I mean, there, yeah, there might be, but it doesn't necessarily tap into some, not in the sense that we right would talk and, about consequence. And, and I think that that consequence is goes back millennial. Right, like yeah. the consequence of like being a man was possibly like. But there's a social and financial consequence to certain decisions that I think in the brain is it's it is absolutely the same yeah. as the mortal consequence. Well, it's providing, you know, it's providing food and shelter, but it has a different. But it's also socially like, oh, if I don't have this, and then I'm socially ridiculed, uh, which is almost ego death, right? Or it's. You know, and not voluntary. No, I got keeping up right? with the Joneses, but definitely on a whole new level. But I think it's amplified. No, now. I got you. This goes to eleven now. I got it's you. like it's a different, like a, um, and so the the pressure, the exposure to what I am supposed to want, not only materially, but you know, in a socially conditioned sense, like a, um. That exposure is constant, and the pressure to like rise up, yeah. If up, if that level is actually higher, it might be you know, or to descend down towards that level. You know, but the pressure is there to, um, to try and acquire or assimilate those characteristics that allow me access into this social group where I am accepted. Sure, and I think. It doesn't take much more than one or two genuine confrontations with one's own mortality to make us realize how bullshit those temptations, those expectations are. Right. And they're, you know, and then I just go, okay, well, so now I know why you ride a skateboard. Now I know why you speed fly. Now, now I know why you partake in these activities because it's a litmus test. It's like a constant sort of, okay, what matters, what doesn't, what matters, what doesn't. Yeah. 
tactile information really like for me uh and to resonate what you're saying I, the whole time you were talking i was thinking you're talking the guy that was going to argue your point on twit on on twitching with twice that was the guy that was saying that was actually shaving his face that was saying no I'm doing this for a good cause. I'm doing it for my culture. I'm doing it for my wife. I'm yeah. doing it. I'm doing it because my dad said it was a good thing to do. It was the guy that was shaving his face and really had no real reason why he was doing it. But I'm doing it because also, um, I'm doing it because, uh, um, someone has to. You're just a number, man. You're just a finger that feeds the beast. That's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yep. We, I mean, and you're right. And the disillusion that happens with most industrial humans is the detriment of kind of the de evolution of humanity, I think. Um, okay. That's just simply put, you know. Um, I I personally feel like humans have de-evolved probably since like the 50s. You know, Industrial Revolution came in and we became these things that could turn gadgets and, you know, became these cogs in a in a system. Until we became the gadgets. And yeah, now the gadgets are the gadgets. And now we're kind of designing the gadgets, which is cool. But um, I I honestly feel no more alive than I when I definitely can reconnect with elements like fire water sun wind uh basic stuff is what keeps me how do other people go about doing that though like if we if we think about like the person who reads twitching but you know sort of justifies their you know look i'm not a revolutionary position but i would like to connect with water and fire and air um man it's uh, easy it's you know you see it every day people go to the beach yeah. They go to the beach, they sit there all day. They get sunburnt. They're looking at the ocean. They're connecting. And you know? and they maybe don't realize it. Yeah. They don't. And it's good. And it it's okay. But yeah. I think some people do. But it's sitting by the river. It's you know, it's building a campfire once a week. You know, it's Fuck, simple like, fucking things. Like last night, um so everybody the crew went out to Bear you Lake or whatever and, and the and the and the um, and there was uh, Michael or Aaron, whatever posted a picture. They're sitting around a fire, and I'm just like, God damn it! <laughs> because like one of the, yeah. the one of the most powerful experiences I've had in the last year was you know when this collaborate two zine got made was when um, Staley and Bonnie and Trevor and Michael and I and McBride and and Thurk, we were all out in Death Valley, and that the the uh, both nights that we were there, yeah there was a fire and we sat around the fire and then the second night Trevor made like a, you know, he cooked us moose that he had shot in Alberta and dressed himself. Like Beautiful. he did the whole thing and he came down and made that meal for us. And, and, and that sitting around the, you know, and I think that's primal. I think there's something genetic there. I think staring into the flames, nothing, no thinking about it. That's where it's at. Conversing. That's what I'm at. And I've heard yeah. you and Trevor talk about this a lot. And I really, Fuck. I really appreciate that about what your podcast is, is you guys touch on that, you know, touch on that tribalism, touch on like, like eating, you know, 
wild game and that what it's how how you don't even know it's good for you but it's good for you and sitting around a fire with your friends but and, you know when you eat it what it is yeah, like it's bringing yeah. something it's yeah. like in a way that yes the, the 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 moose meatballs were they tasted good but i was eating the energy of the earth absolutely like i was and and not in a in a designed way, like let's just say the factory farmed cow, Dude. it's also the energy of the earth, yeah. but it's designed. And no, it's, you're nailing it. And it's, and, and, you're you nailing know. it. I mean, everybody asks me, he's like, well, oh, you eat meat? And I'm like, yeah, if it's wild, yeah. you know? And, and I've just found that out about myself. It's like, if I eat anything, like I'll eat anything wild. I mean, I don't care if it's roadkill, but if it's not from factory farms and it's from, oh, let's just say if it's even from your farm, that's mm-hmm. fine. I'll probably eat it. But like there's, and you know this from when you start on different journeys where you start understanding about what you eat, the different things that you can experience and the suffering that you can experience through those animals. And once you get to a certain point, whatever that is, and that's just me being sensitive possibly, but like I can sense when, a, when, when I'm eating something that has suffered. And, and you know, you definitely genetically are like you are ingesting not only if wow. you're ingesting yes. these things that are being tortured you know i mean that's what why a lot of vegans are vegans are like yeah. i'm not eating anything that has been tortured and it's like yeah i mean the hormones that are excreted all the stuff that's excreted in that meat you're putting in your body and then therefore you're going to be that and the spirit of okay this is an animal raised solely for a purpose and and i i think i think there's something there that oh, yes man. despite okay the and, and the the moose i'm just going to go back to the moose because um it you're not eating the energy of its long-term suffering yeah no way there's nothing there it's just pure life it's life, life, it's, life, 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 and it's wildness, and a and a wild death, yeah, and not a suffering, you know, not a suffering existence. And I think, you know, we talk about okay, these these animals suffered when they died. Well, if you're talking about factory farming, they didn't fucking suffer because they just get it's fucking suffering they, their whole life. They're man. suffering their whole life. That's what you're tasting. That's what you are buying into and, and supporting that's what dollars, that's where but, the sickness is yes you know it's not I, the manner of death right it is the manner I'm of saying life. like in humans too like i feel like that's where a lot of this mental illness is and that's where like sicknesses in general and people unhappinesses are ingesting so much suffering that they're creating you know they, they're becoming suffering and if i had one message to, to send to people it'd be like eat wild meat drink wild water spring water you know, get your get and, your gut in check, and and limit your exposure to suffering because, yeah. like you said, the AI that we carry around in our pockets. This is like this is our mechanism of access to see inordinate suffering everywhere in the world. Sure, and and or beauty, and and yeah. You know? Oh mean, no, no, it can it can it can absolutely go both ways. Um, but when we when we are able to to steer or guide what we are consuming yeah your input 
is your output. Yes. Yeah. It's going to affect the output. Absolutely. And, and it's fill your that, vessel, whatever you fill your vessel with is what, you know, is what it is. I mean, you hang around some negative people, you start thinking negative thoughts. Yep. You hang around suicidal people, you start thinking suicidal. You hang around a bunch of drunks, you get drunk. You hang around a bunch of crazy fucking base jumpers, you start jumping off bridges. I mean, it's, you know, yeah. it's a tribal mentality, but I mean, it's, Ultimately, it is, as we all know. You Can know, I hang around drunk dudes who jump off bridges? Well, <laughs> you just met one. Yeah, okay. <laughs> we seem to get along pretty well. Okay, perfect. But we don't do the same thing at the same time. Well, yeah. maybe. No, we don't. But no. just no, for the record. A, there's a, yeah. No, but, there's, there, there is a segregated aspect to the yeah. experiences that we. But it's about are. what's really going on, you know, like big picture stuff is like. I mean, I'll just sit down by the TV sometimes at my mom's house, say, you know, I, don't, I haven't had a TV in 30, 40 years, whatever. And I'm just like, oh, this is what most people are ingesting. And man, and, and, what with, a, what? and it's not conscious ingestion. And I think that's also the trick of the phone yeah. is that we are not conscious, you know, like, Oh, here, here's your meter or whatever, how much time, screen time you have this month, this day, this whatever. Okay, that's an interesting, uh, I mean, yes, it's a nice tool, but the fact that it exists um, it means that it that we need it. It, means, it. it indicates that there was unconscious consumption going on sure. already. And and that like, okay, what do I, what do I go look at? Well, you know, what am I, what am I consuming? And how is that going to influence the experiences that I have? Yeah. Even when I'm not consuming, it goes that back, shit's on board no matter right. what. It goes back to what I was saying about like psychiatric patient walks in a place, right? And they're okay. greeted with a big giant guard and like, yeah. big green walls that are painted okay. with, you know, World War II excess paint. You know, most psychiatric oh, Jesus, hospital, I must really be fucked up. I mean, is most. my first yeah. thought. <laughs> well, and, you know, there's no windows. Yeah. You know? And so all of a sudden you're like, okay, this is, yeah, I must be, I'm already in, 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 you know, internalizing that. So they don't, so the, the, so this is like, let's just say, let's just run with the, uh, the, uh, World War II surplus paint. That's what they're all painted with. Did you know that? I, I didn't. Yeah. But I would have thought if it was a more loving, it would be a Bakeman Miller pink. No, it's like this, like because bizarre, that's, his, I believe, is the it, most calming. It's like sort this of, bizarre minty green that it it it's. Oh, I know like, what it looks like. Yeah, yeah. Well, you've been in there, huh? Well, hey, we don't uh, want to go there. Yeah, but, let's not. Yeah, I mean, some people ask me why I'm so good at psychiatric nursing. It's actually, long story short, I've been behind the glass myself. So my family's mm-hmm. got a long history. My father had a long history. I've got a long history, but mm-hmm. I'm doing really well now. I'm not on any, any medications. And, uh, you know, we've all had our own bouts with, you know, depression and um, all kinds of things. So, you know, um, that's kind of like, you know, uh, exposing really the love of the humanity is like you don't realize how incredible the human is until you can go to the darkest dark and you yep. can live the highest highs. Absolutely. And, yeah. and when I can sit comfortably in a padded room with someone like you don't know what it's like to be here. And I'm like, bro, I sat here not long ago, just like you. With and roles that, reversed. And, and guess what, man? There, You can get out, and you can make a difference, and you can find your own voice, and you can be happy, and you can 
kick this fucking dark teeth in the face. And it does, you know, we talked about peace and happiness, but Mm -hmm. sometimes with depression, you have to get a little bit primal on it and take some responsibility. And like some of my friends that struggle will reach out to me and I'm like, bro, you just got to kick that dog in the teeth and you got to keep kicking it and you got to keep kicking it because it ain't easy. You got to get up and you got to keep kicking it. So we have gotten a little dark here, but I just wanted to make the point that um, it's all about, you talked about the vessel. It's all about the vessel and the energy that you put into your life. And it's, you know, and yeah, you're going to get some negative stuff kind of getting poured into that vessel. But the, the, the point is, is like, do I want to hang out in Salt Lake and try to camp downtown? No. You know, I want to go out and hear the metalogs every day. I want to expose myself to things that make me happy. And whether or not that makes other people happy is not the the point. If people like to go and be around cities, more power to them. But the point, you know, that I think that should and hopefully resonates and my, my heart is with, you know, if if you start to feel that warmness in your heart, you know you're kind of on that right path, and it seems like wow, this feels good. Keep doing it. Yeah, I have. Um, I mean, this is this conversation. I mean, as well as a couple with Selena lately has like made me recognize there was okay. I've you know I I'm a a lot of the the greatest achievements accomplishments whatever in my life they've come from a you know this sense of personal torment or they've come from anger they get like i'm good when i'm writing and i'm angry i'm a good writer totally and i get it when i'm you know and and i recognized in probably sort of 2016 2017 yeah like yeah really 2016 when i was uh working in the UK and I was absolutely madly in love with Selena and some things had been uh, like some toxic shit had been cut away and some other things had been resolved. And I realized like, um, fuck, I, I'm too happy to write. (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. It's so true. Which is completely like, it's unfortunate. And and, and there was a period there where I was doing actually like, other different work and based on the input that I was, that I was having and the, 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 the things that I was like seeing the absolute positive benefits of the work I was doing yeah. with different groups of people. And even if it's just in a, you know, when I, I understand that like what I do on these movie jobs, it's not just like, Oh, I'm going to make this, we're going to create a superficial shell on top of this person. Sure. It's like some of these people like, okay, I have a very dear friend. And at the end of our sort of three and a half months together, she's just like, you fucking saved my life. Wow. And I go, okay, fuck. How and did, yeah, you're like, and where did that come from? Oh, I mean, I know exactly all the steps and, uh, sure. you know, and the reasons why and why I had to create the space for her in that, you know, where we were that, 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 that I did in the condition that she was in at the time. Right. Um, but I, and, and I realized like, okay, all of these very satisfying things are happening and I can't fucking write because I'm not upset. I'm not angry. Yeah. And I almost feel like, in some ways that my uh, um, relationship to creativity changed 
And I almost steered myself, and I think I did, you know, sort of steered myself away. I started consuming things to make mm. me angry, to make yep. me upset, yep. in order to get back to a place where I could write from a fighting stance. I get you. And ultimately, that's not a healthy thing for me. I need to create, but I don't want to create from a place of anger. But that's all I got right now. Hey, man. It's like disappointment and anger because I turn on my device or I look at another device or I talk with people. I get it. And I just realize, like, man, this place is fucked and we got to do something about it. Yeah. And, and your voice is needed in that, you know, especially now more than ever. And I think what happens too is there's people like me that, that know that that voice is needed. And I tend to steer away and Mm -hmm. try to with my social presence whatever that is i try to show people that there is an alternative to the hate and there is an alternative to the whatever they're consuming and hopefully when they come across my post they'll see me sitting at a in a around a fire and just some simple message or a mountain range and a simple message and what i'm trying to do now more than ever and for myself but for other people is to try to connect them to something that that isn't anger, that isn't um, riots, that isn't coronavirus, that's like, oh, did you notice the sunrise? And that's it, and that's enough. And for me, that's what's kept me absolutely content. And yeah, I'm not writing like I used to write, and I'm not feverishly doing a lot of art that I used to do. Um, I'm still writing love letters to a, a previous lover, and, and that's new, but that's also part of the healing too is like look yeah you're growing up man and it's you know that girl may be worth it so keep writing those love letters you know and and they're well received and that's a that's good and you know you're you're getting there and in communicating with family a little more but i guess back to your whole point where you find your passions and where you find your art everyone's got their role to play and, and and if you resonate with that, um, I mean, I do. I listen to Rage Against the Machine every day. You know, I listen to Ministry every day. I've got a very nine inch nails. I got you know Nirvana on fucking when I'm when I'm flying. Oh, you're I, just stuck when, in the nineties, Jamie. <laughs> I, when I'm flying, I listen to the new Tool album. Pretty much every time I fly, I listen to Numa. So Numa is it. Numa's I, I, it for me I, now. So, like, ex- so yes. when I'm flying, like I'm speed flying, paragliding, yeah. and I just have it on repeat. You talk about repeat on your Dape deck, yep. which is the great yep. thing about the Spot- Spotify and the phone. Yep. I put it in my pocket, and that's the only song that I play yeah. over and over and over and over again. And so I'm I'm not See, quite think, in the 90s, but I definitely no, have, I, like I'm listening to this like really hardcore shit yeah. all the time. But I'm also taking the time to just try to not like but that's push not... that on people because people have enough heavy shit to deal with. Yeah. And for me, it's like it's like this uh, inside out. You know, it's like yeah, in cycling, you talk about going inside out. You know, like just trying so hard that you're just you become this other thing that's you know, and and I think it's harder to become positive now than it has become negative, and I'm choosing the hard path that's not the soundtrack to sitting around the fire no drums or didgeridoo okay nice yeah nice I um 
for me that the new tool the invincible is the ah oh, yeah and it actually you know inspired quite a piece and it was an exchange with anson fogel he sent the lyrics to that to me and he's just like dude i you know hey i come from a punk background you know this Hell and yeah. that and and uh but this new record and blah, blah and so and i hadn't i had only heard i hadn't bought the record and the reason i didn't buy but well, they say don't buy the record. I mean, they said that from the beginning. No, but it doesn't. But it doesn't. But that's I, tool. I, I need like, to have don't. exposure to the record. But right. but in, it, the, and the reason I'm just like everybody is posting on social media about how great this new you know tool record is and blah blah. It's taken 15 years and da 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 and this and that. I'm just like fuck it. I'm not getting that. Like that's you know what. Could, and then I, I would hear it in the gym. You know, Michael or Devin. You know, Devin's a fucking diehard tool. You know, tool fan. And 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 um. And I would hear it out there, and so that the opening track, the Fear and Oculum track, or you know, mm-hmm. it, like that's the one that I heard. It's actually pretty ironic now if you actually listen to it closely. Fucking no shit, it, huh? it's exactly about Fear and Oculum. I mean, yeah. Fear Inoculum. We got COVID. We got Fear. Fear Inoculum. And the whole point of that whole song is like, don't let any of that affect you, and and yet it's going to be just. Just, 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 just push down your throat is what they're saying the whole, the whole song. Yeah. And man, here we are. Like I, I listen to that song all the time. I'm like, man, those guys were telling the future. Yes. Unbelievable. Fucking unbelievable. Unbelievable. And Fear Knockham is so sick. Yeah. And so that track and then, and then Anson sent me that, the, the lyrics to Invincible and then I was just like, holy shit, that is, I am... That it's it's kind of I kind of resonate with this. I kind of feel this it, like deeply, and um, ended up in a reactive piece of writing called Vincible, um, because we are all defeatable. You know, we we yeah. we ultimately, and and I I think we can, in many ways, um, not always obviously, yeah. but there are many ways that we can. Uh, decide the conditions of our defeat mm. like and and we do it's yeah. like and and usually because it's surrender you know it's like what is what, and um and there's a there there is a uh a sort of a don't give up don't quit vibe to that song yeah despite the overt thesis yeah. of it yeah and and um yeah i was thinking like if we were talking about music if we were going to talk about music and i was like okay what have i been listening to kind of lately like what are the most recent purchases in the itunes thing yeah and, and um i mean actually the, the the track i'm totally stoked because um Sometime in the next few days, the new Lamb of God record will be completely released. Like oh, they've, they've, they've dropped a couple of tracks, right? Um, and I am really fucking psyched for the Reality Bath song, right? That you know Randy wrote after we sat here in this same fucking podcast studio. Like, talked sounds about like a this. root I've heard of. It's it is a root. Uh, <laughs> it, it's a root. It's an ideal. Uh, it's probably it's been a, repeated once or twice. It's maybe not. No, it, that root is unrepeated. See. Um, uh, and that's, you know, Ian Seabrook has been working on this documentary about me and that's the name of that, that doc also. And Ian was here and filmed the podcast that Randy and I right. did. What kind of headspace you got to be in to do that thing? Oh, that route? 
I mean, does that have to be in condition? You just have have your head in condition. No, you have to have your head in condition. It's it, that root is there a lot. It's not like it's a. It didn't get repeated for thirty plus years because it's not there. It's been there, but almost it, invariably, there's one other root that got down on that face by I think a German or Austrian party that went up and was just like, whoa, okay, we're not down with that, but I think we can justify the risk over a, a little bit further to the right on this face. Um, I think the guidebook description of that route is accurate, which is like of little value except for those suicidally inclined. Right. And I mean, it's the objective hazard. And, and it's, I think so it's, it's over. There's a big Serac over it. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. And, and then, a big is not like, okay. So, I mean, yeah, big you, capital B. You got big. a, you got a city over you. Yeah. So that's one thing. And then the route itself. Not hard. That's it then. You just, I mean, it's, you're just staring at doom. You know, like not hard by modern standards in the sense of like it's, you got a a ribbon of ice for what, a couple thousand feet? Yeah, it's 1,800 feet, 600 meters, whatever. So 2,000 foot, 2,000 foot root. Um, There's one pitch that we called six plus. It's probably consensus grade six, depending on the condition. Um, I mean, when we, and we were lucky to be on that pitch. When during our first attempt, the Serax calved because that pitch is so steep that everything went out over us. Oh, how but, cool. But, oh, Jesus. <laughs> how, how terrifyingly cool. How terrifyingly cool. But how, I how, mean, how, I mean, why s- else be in the mountains? I mean, not to say that that is ridiculously yeah. dangerous, but why else do we go to the mountains? I hate to say it that way, but like people go to the mountains to, to find peace, but then there's yeah. people like us that go to the mountains to, that you know that find meaning yeah and or but, to have that confrontation or yeah, to and, and roll or the, just to roll the dice roll like the dice yeah and and for some reason our culture doesn't allow us to even though we get in our cars every day and we know we're rolling the dice but but we don't really but it's so normal because it's but, so but, normal. but because yeah. everyone else is doing yeah. it it seems normal right like and i think there's an interesting thing about risk being normalized by group participation oh, like if other Driving people are cars, doing it, then it so must be dangerous safe. dude oh fuck yeah everybody's talking about oh this covid thing's killed 74 people in 6 months i'm like how many how many people have died on the interstate this this week? This fucking week, yeah. yeah. Out here, yo, oh, dude, I had a total out here. It's just it's insane out here. Yeah, and and you know that's the whole thing about all of it. It's like this risk versus reward, and like really, you know, people are like, oh, you do this and that and the other. It's like, well, you drive a car. Oh, I hear that all the time. No, no, just no. You just drive a fucking car. Meditate with it. You drive seventy miles an hour next to a big rig driving seventy. Like, that's fast. There's a lot of variables there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Objective. Like you said, herd mentality. Everybody's doing it, so it's cool. So it's cool. It's and, fine. But I think that's it's an interesting justification, too, for, like, even on a in a smaller group setting, it doesn't even have to be the interstate. It doesn't have to be, like, mass societal participation that that, you know, makes us, you know, unable to see or assess the risk. Even in a small group thing, if I'm like, oh, this is dangerous, but there's two other people doing it, then the automatic assumption is that, I mean, I, I wrote about an extreme alpinism in, the, in, a, in a moderate sense so of like, true. hey, you're, you know, you follow tracks that have already been made in the snow. Yeah. And because they were ahead of you temporally, like, okay, they just got up earlier. Yeah. Does that make them smarter? Should I follow their tracks? Right. Just because they were ahead of me time-wise doesn't make them smarter, and then I end up in a fucking ice fall that, um, you, you know, where these guys like, oh, holy fuck, 
Well, they weren't smarter because they got to the same chasm that I'm confronting right now. They were braver because they fucking jumped over it. Right. Right. So it doesn't make them right. Just makes them unwilling to have turned back. Doesn't right. just doesn't make them like they made a bad decision early. But I followed because I presumed for whatever reason that they were smarter than I am. And, and that's like something you just have to just step back and go, no, I am the captain of this ship absolutely th- that i am yeah. and i need to make these decisions rationally with with as little you know outside influence as possible yeah especially when it comes to this you know mortal confrontation right um because th- i'm not risking their lives i'm risking my own therefore yeah. i need to be autonomous and relatively you know, free of influence when I make these decisions. Right. And, um, and that's kind of the pilot ethos. You probably have a a lot of friends that are pilots that actually fly planes and some other stuff, but they will say you are the pilot of your own vessel, right? You're the pilot of your own ship. You're the pilot of your own, uh, flight, uh, and, and, and you have your own flight plan. So whether we're speed flying, paragliding, wingsuit flying, flying, planes or whatever it's really interesting because it does key into that exact same thing it's like you are the pilot yeah and you can take that message and put it into your life you are the pilot and one other thing i like to always think about when i'm thinking which i do a lot of is using the word architecture when you think about your life okay and we always think about the word architecture as you know buildings yeah. But if you create your own architecture for your life and with that architecture you have the foundation and you have the beams and you have the roof and you have all the different features that you would have with some sort of architecture, whether it's, you know, divine architecture or or whatever it is. Um, whenever I hear the words architecture, I think, well, be the architect of your own life. And that goes back to a lot of stuff that you've written about that have resonated with me, you know, I'm a little younger than you are, but I will say that that message and other messages through punk music and through um, free thinkers of be the architect of your life. Don't let anybody tell you what's possible, not possible. Don't let anybody tell you what to do, what not to do. Be good, be right, don't hurt no one. Break a few laws, whatever, go to jail, but don't really be, you know, an asshole and have compassion but to be an architect of your own life is like, that's, that's your life to be an architect of. You know, now we got yeah. people telling us what to do, where to go, stay home, wear your mask, don't go outside, don't have fun, tune into, you know, CBC, and we're going to have a live update on the COVID numbers, the, the, you know, all that stuff. And it's like, dude, unplug from all that stuff. Go outside, breathe the fresh air. Guess what? Spring is still happening. Summer's still here. The sun's coming up and down. The migrating birds don't give a fuck about COVID. Yeah. And I don't know. I've just, I've found a lot of healing in that and and hopefully can can translate that message to others. And I mean. And look behind the screen it. in a way. Like I, I, I feel like, and a couple of friends had brought this up early on with the, the lockdown and that kind of thing. Um, you know, people who are asking questions about this, because I think it's essential to ask questions always. And, um, that the, uh, this, this movie, um, they live kept mm. coming up. Um, I haven't seen it where, Oh goodness, Jeez. please, you need to, 
Um, it, it, it's, it's worthwhile. Right. Um, because I, I would have to say that, you know, I mean, maybe speaking for him, but this is just my perception that much of Shepard Fairey's art came from like inspired by that, that thing. I mean, his whole, his whole business is called obey, right? Like wow. the whole thing. And this is, um, uh, yeah, Rowdy Roddy Piper is in it. Oh, dude, um, what a legend! Just fucking total. Yeah. I mean, it's and and his character's name is Nada, <laughs> I think. Uh, it, it, but it's it's you know he just he discovers a way to see the architecture, the and let's see the architects behind the architecture. Yeah, like you said, behind the screen. Yeah, I and mean, um, and I and I just I said, look, you ask questions, you get to you know. And people don't yeah. have answers. Well, you've yeah. seen the, you know, you've seen the architecture, you know, you've yeah. seen the, tr- you know, the truth of it in a way. Right. Um, and if you, you know, ask these questions there and somebody comes back and says, well, we hadn't really thought about that. Yeah. Um, okay. Now you, now at least, you know, right. But, but for, for me, so few are willing to ask questions and now like, and it, and it, for, it it's just morphed into this thing of like, you got to ask the questions in order to see the motivations and just see what the underlying things are. And then ultimately you, you, you have to keep asking, keep exposing in order to see the architects, because if you can't see them, then, um, you, you, a, you don't understand the, the, the plan, if right. you will, but B, if you can't see, if you, all you see is, you, you know, I, I see like a lot of the, revolt the protest the rioting etc is aimed at the architecture right now right sure and until we identify the architects there can be no meaningful revolution or change right that's a good point and so you got to keep asking the questions yeah peeling back the layers you gotta you gotta keep showing up you know i mean all over the world people are showing up you know fuck yeah london paris i mean all over the world people are have signs that say black lives matter, you know? Yeah. And, and dude, like we're talking about London, right? Like, uh, so for me, as much as I want to just like live out there in the woods and do my thing, like I, I realize this is a global push for equality mm-hmm. that needs to definitely happen and will possibly hopefully prevail and like you said you keep pushing and then the snakes keep running in the grass and the farther you get and the fire you know fire to the flame the more the more fire you put to the flame the more snakes come out of the grass and that's pretty soon they're going to run out of grass yeah and 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 honestly like you said you can't really do that with like we're all just going to do sit-ins you know you got to keep walking towards wall street you got to keep walking towards the white house you got to keep pushing on barriers you got to keep pushing the envelope you know and i thought in my lifetime i'd get to see a revolution and i thought to myself when the whole one percent movement happened the wall street movement happened i was like all right you guys keep pushing when it gets to the tipping point where we're gonna we're all going in like i'm in yeah and i i've I sit on the sidelines now as a kind of a non-participant in all matters, actually. But if really all the tipping point seems to just want to collapse and just storm the front, then I think there's going to be a lot of us that are out of the woodwork, that are sitting on the sidelines, that are that are waiting for the snakes to get out. And, uh, and you know, and it's just part of human evolution. Like, we, we all need to be treated equally. Yeah. There needs to be... <laughs> 
this this whole idea, this systemic colonialization idea and all the stuff that's been bred into humanity um, is, uh, is, you know, is part of the evolution, but also is completely disgusting. Yeah. You know, I saw a friend of mine walked up, um, we were flying and she had this, she had these big bell bottom, uh, pants on and she had this big thing sewn on her bell bottoms. It was just fantastic. It was a Ku Klux Klan member hanging from a noose. Okay. And, uh, it was a simple message. Yep. It said, hang in there, baby. Hang in there, baby. And I grew up in the South, man, you know, and it was gnarly, man, and still is pretty gnarly. And, yeah. you know, for them to throw nooses around some of these uh, guys that, you know, were, you know, known um, lynchmen, hell yeah, fuck those guys. Yep. You know, our, our society and our culture, like I said, is not your friend. And, you know, the more those statues that get toppled, you know, of these fucking pigs that have, like, literally just killed people and enslaved people. And, yeah, that was the parliaments of their time, um, not to quote the dude or anything, but it is definitely an interesting time to be alive. Probably, I don't know, it's crazy sitting here and going, wow, huh, there's riots in the streets, people are wearing masks, everybody's told what to do. It's like, it's like Orwell's, like, it's, oh, like, it's a fucking nightmare, dude. dude. 1984 plus. And, and hence the reason I'm just like, you know, I'm out doing my thing, just going, well, shit's going, getting real. I'm going flying, boys. I don't know. I don't know what else to do. You yeah. Know? And then I just try to make people happy. You know, whenever I see people that are having a hard time, you know, um, I think the message is just like, you know, we want to start a revolution, but it takes one person to tell one person, you know? So as long as you can just do a little things for everybody and for yourself, you can't pour from an empty cup. Ain't that the truth. And I'll have to say that, um, yeah, our exchanges over the last year or whatever it's been, um, and certainly recently because, you know, I'm asking questions and inquisitive um, you've been making me think, Jamie, so. Yeah, what about? I mean, to make, to make Dr. Doom think, man, I feel like I've like created my Maslow's hierarchy. Like <laughs> coming in here, I'm like, man, like I saw it the first time I, well, the only time I've ever saw it, we met was, I think it was 93, you rolled through Little Rock, Arkansas and you gave a slideshow at, uh, maybe take a hike or one of these small little spots. You might even remember that gig. It probably was sp uh, the East Coast tour, I think, was spring of 95. Okay. Actually. All right. Um, yeah, I think we were on our way to Tennessee. <laughs> well, you, you, you rolled um, through this random little rock climbing. You probably don't remember the place. I don't. Yeah. And maybe... It was, yeah. So it was in Little Rock, Arkansas. So this, this, this dude, Mark Twight, comes into town and uh, rolls up there. And, of course, you know. Has all, crazy posters for the slideshow. It was yeah. art that Randy Ratcliffe did. Yeah, like these crazy woodcuts. Yeah. And so I'd already, you know, already knew about you. And most most people that were there were. But um, 
Yeah, it's like a rock and roll show. Mark walked up and says, yeah, okay. we, we did I, some... I had a fucking killer sound system yeah, back then for fucking big. And actually, I got a big PA in my van I need to show you. Nice. So it kind of inspired by that. Music is ve- definitely the medicine. Yes. So Mark shows up and... Uh, full house or whatever. I don't know, maybe 50 people sitting in this old climbing shop, you know, stinky-ass fucking La Sportiva shoes and some bad rock climbing wall up there with some, like, yeah. homemade holds. And... And I think he just said, "Yeah, we did some roots in Alaska." He's like, uh, "I'll let the I'll let the images and the music say the rest." Did, probably that's it. I'm pretty sure that's all you said. And then all of a sudden, on came just the onslaught, a, a, an onslaught of cacophony of like punk slamming music and just back then slideshows, you know, and imagery and music, and uh, and definitely changed a lot of our lives, man. Appreciate that. Thank you. I yeah. mean, I, I, I know that I, I used to, th- I still think it, this. It's being an artist, go, man. Yeah. It's, it's being an artist, you know? Like You're a lot of people are climbers. Like, Here's the thing. They're doing things, whatever. You know, they want to yeah. support their stuff. And you, from the beginning, from my perspective, had a different take. And it was, you know, your art, your music, and the way you combine the two. And then your, your words, obviously, later, you know, with Climbing Magazine and Dr. Doom. <laughs> Which is, Legend, which is kind of funny because I just did this uh, last weekend. Um, I was out. I was in Colorado, and uh, I'd gone out to because um, another guy, social media sort of meeting, whatever. And um, it's a group of guys, uh, prior military, and they had gotten some issues of the zines, and they would like one guy would sit with it, and he'd read it, and he'd highlight some stuff, make maybe some notes, send it along to the next guy. Oh, cool! And they, he would highlight it in a different color, and then you know whatever, and send it on to the next guy, and and I kind of uh, got to meet Ian uh, Strimbeck in, in in that in that context of the relationship, and and um, and he was out and he was in Colorado shooting, doing a you know a basic pistol one day and basic carbine the next day, uh, shooting course instructor, and and I was just like, fuck it, I'm gonna go. I I, I need a tune up. I've, <laughs> I've been through like some of the you know let's just say I've been through some of the highest speed courses. I've had some of the absolute in the shooting world, some of the best mentors of a, a, a fellow could have, but then also kind of drifted away and, and, and realized, look, I need to reconnect. And I also want to meet these guys. I mean, meet him for sure. Um, so I drove out there anyway. So I d- did the course. It was absolutely um, fascinating like, to take an empty cup into this new situation and to, and to, and to have, stereotypes absolutely obliterated right in a way um was was magnificent but at the end you know it's like my certificate of completion is like mark dr doom twice oh. is my fucking name <laughs> i'm like can't get away from this shit yeah um but let me circle back to like what i have been thinking about based on our our exchanges Please do. and it, it it part of this has been like okay how do i i need to establish reestablish a connection to that disengagement, to the walking away, to the turning off of the thing, um, so that I can smell that flower. I can right. put my feet in the cold stream and up to my knees and up to my waist and maybe put my head in that cold water. Um, and, and, and to 
because that's a, a, a something that was that used to be normal. Right. That now I have been normalized to right. a different condition. Right. Good point. And I recognize it. Yeah. When I see other people living their lives in this in this other way in a right. very what I think is I mean I'll say childlike sure. but not in a derogatory no, sense. No, I get it, man. Like a a childlike spirit of inquiry. Right. Good point. Um is yeah. something that I feel like I need right now. Yeah. Well, and you're I mean, kind of an example of it for me. Yeah. Well, appreciate that, man. It's uh, my honor to kind of be here and, you know, almost be 50 years old and to be excited about every day to wake up to explore something new about myself yeah. or something, some new skill. Um, and I think with that childlike, there's, definitely like this other deeper wisdom that comes with a lot of the things that have happened in my life and your life and yeah. people's lives that, you know, they've lived 50 years and, and as much as you want to just kind of whitewash it over it, it definitely. Oh, these things are fucking hewn from granite inside. They are the, 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 the those yeah. are the pieces of architecture, the foundation exactly. inside of us. Exactly. That, and once you kind of make peace with those things and you start building those pyramids of architecture and yeah. you, those things that even if they're ugly, you just put them in there anyway. And but but some things, you know, the, the, the interesting thing about, uh, you know, I, I, if we use the architectural metaphor, it's like a, I, the, the architecture does not become more functional or more aesthetic by adding more. Good point. And I think it's the same with right. us as human beings. Right. That even right. though I have all of this, this I have these, uh, an accumulation of me. Sure. Some of that needs to be hewn away. Yeah, absolutely. It's no more valuable than somebody that's 20 years old that's rolling in. A lot of times those people have way more wisdom and way more Fuck truth yeah. and way more beauty than I have, right? And so that's the point is like, you know, yeah, I have wisdom, but I like I was talking about earlier, like the kids have wisdom, you know, the, yeah. the, 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 the little children have wisdom, you know, the, the, the ancestors have wisdom, the grandparents have wisdom. Um, and let us not take our own wisdom you know which has come from the accumulated mileage that we have or the experience sure. in the world as something definitive not at all not yeah. at all not at all i mean be this you know some of the greatest thinkers in the world have always said the best thing can be is adaptable and a student and a student yeah, yeah. so you know as long as we can do that and uh you know as long as you can realize that you know there is no right, there is no wrong, there's only teachers, there's this, and really the uh, the one that seems to resonate with me that probably doesn't with most people is the finite of, you know, your spirit is here, but like, man, like this life, bro, it's, you know, you're one, two breaths away from not like being from in this reality, there. right? So for me, a lot of people are like, oh, heaven, hell, and I'm like, how do you know you're not living in heaven? You know, how do you know that this is not the best it will ever be and you can do the best you can do here? And I know a lot of people live in hell. I know a lot of people are living in prisons or living in shit, you know. Uh, and that has its own own story, you know. And I personally have been there, but I think once you realize that this can be heaven and you can create beautiful things and create beautiful memories and really connect with people on a huge deeper level um 
and see life and death as one, um, that's where the magic lies. And really, you know, I mean, all the greatest thinkers talk about the now. I mean, there is, I mean, I mean, we could, we could, we could beat that horse <laughs> until it took off into the sunset. But like, yeah. honestly, like, I mean, if you really want to get to all of it and you can just shake it all down, it's like, I mean, right now, it's all you got sitting in this studio, you know, and whether you're sitting at home or you're with your loved ones or you're at the creek or you're in traffic, I mean, that's all we got. And that's enough. And that's another one of the greatest things that ever was said to me and, 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 and can be said to people in strife, in grief, in depression is I've seen a lot of psychoanalysis and doctors and really good workers of healing will just look at someone who's suffering and say, you are enough, you know? Yeah. And what you've experienced is enough and you are enough. You don't have to be anything other than you and you're enough. You're valuable. And that's where the magic lies is understanding that every single soul on this planet is valuable and every single person is valuable and every single person has something to teach somebody else. Mm -hmm. Whether it's some deformed person, person in a wheelchair, some enlightened person, some egotistical bigot, some crazy fucking psychopath, some murderer. All teachers. Man, I mean, I don't know what else to do with it. You know, it's like you could look at it objectively but it's like all these people are experiencing things and I don't know it's uh life you know it's the biggest question that's ever been right like that's why we're sitting here with these microphones it's like that's why I'm sitting here and that's why we're talking is like we were we're trying to get to something more than like oh why do you fly you know oh why do you why do you mountain climb I mean you know yeah. why do you why do you do art it's like because I'm alive and I can't express, right? Yeah. We have the power to express. I yeah. mean, individual human beings have that power to express, whatever the medium is. And I think it's, it is, uh, it's, I don't know, the uh, prime directive. <laughs> if you will. Right. It's built in us to, to, to express and then to be in relationship with that expression. And, and uh, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> I mean, for now, <laughs> Yeah, man. I, I, no, I, man. I feel, I feel, you feel, you feel I, good. I feel, I feel good. good. Yeah, yeah they, they too, I feel man. good, and I feel kind of spent. Yeah, I too. It's a good time, man. Fucking hell! Thank you for yeah. like being. You too, man. And coming here. You too, man. Yeah, I was uh, definitely uh, a little bit starstruck. You know, when we first started talking, and ah, as, hell. as most people would be. But then I was like, man, Mark, man, you know, dude knows what's up. And uh, we all, we and all, I'm a, and I'm a guy trying yeah. to figure it out like everyone else. And yeah. here's the thing: it's like, yeah, that's I did what some I'm, stuff, and I said some stuff. Yeah. I had a big mouth, and I had but a pen, still, and I had some shit. I'm still trying to figure. That's it the beauty out. of it, and that's the difference between you and a lot of people, right? 
I mean, that's that you, know, you and Rogan and all these guys are just like taking stock and and turning out and and listening to and and, and keeping your eyes open and your hearts open and uh, you know and you have a platform in which to resonate these these great messages for people. So I'm just Jamie. I live in a van. I'm a dirtbag. I'm 47. I'm a climber. I'm a base jumper. Um, I just want everybody to be happy. And I'm Mark and I'm 58 and I live in a thousand square foot, you know, space and we have this space and we, sometimes we make shit. Sometimes we erase shit. (laughs) And, and, uh, and without you, I wouldn't be here, you know, sending this message on these microphones. So I really appreciate it, man. Thank you. And you're welcome. And I'm, yeah, this is, what it means to be well, human th- yeah it's what it means to be human yeah dude <laughs> exactly yeah full circle <laughs> and really yeah yeah i really appreciate so, so thank you podcast. and i want um i want to sit on this and then you know whenever you come through or if you stick if you decide like hey this is not a bad spot i think i'm gonna hang here for a little bit man it's awesome you're welcome here man i appreciate it it's good to feel home Cool. Yeah, brother.